Hey everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors, presented by Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I'm joined here with the mayor, the content creator, the retrosexual himself, Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Happy one-year anniversary. Yes, indeed. It is our one-year anniversary. That's why it's such a special episode of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. You and I have uh, been collaborating one year to the date. Uh, we we had a episode, Retromania Meets, kicking out at two, and we kind of chopped it up, and uh, it was really our first podcast together, right, Dave? Yeah, like, it was. Uh, straight, you know, from, from in the frying pan into the fire, as they say. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was our first uh, our go around together. And it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a journey ever since. Yes, it has. Uh, shoot, no, no kayfabe there. It was our first uh, podcast together. And then since then, we've grown. And in April, we launched the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And since then, we've brought to you so much wrestling content for your ears, so much retrosexual content for your ears and it's always evergreen as well right dave you want to run everybody down what we got going on on our network yeah yeah absolutely i mean if you if you guys are big fans of fantasy booking then you can check out hulkamania is dead where it's life in the world wrestling federation without hulk hogan from 1984 to 1993 kobe and jimmy have uh, brought us along this path if you will of what the wwf is like without hulk hogan which to me, I feel like as a Hulkamaniac myself, that's that's kind of hard to believe. So if you guys are if you guys are into that sort of thing, then then you know Hulkamania's Dead is your show. Then there's the Origins of Attitude, um, where Kobe and other go- guest hosts have sat down and talked about um, certain points in the the precursor to the Attitude Era with certain figures like Steve Austin and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels before it eventually blew up into full-blown attitude as they like to call it mm-hmm. um, if you're into that sort of thing if you if you're a big Japanese wrestling aficionado then Gaijin Wrestling Radio is another great show you can check out on the network as well uh, running down some historic matches from Japanese pro wrestling history as well as touching on some Ring of Honor stuff and some NXT stuff because that stuff is heavily influenced by the Japanese pro wrestling style and you can also check out my show kicking out at two I do a retro format 80s 90s early to mid 2000s sometimes I throw some current stuff in there but um it's a variety show. We do watch-alongs. We do some some fantasy booking. Uh, we we do um, you know s- certain topics where we're going to be debuting some new concepts to the show. Your newest uh, concept, t- Blind Date Diaries. I love it. Yeah, Blind Date Diaries. Uh, I basically have never watched this show from start to finish. I'll I, I've watched a lot of wrestling over my time, but I've never watched a show start to finish. Um, that I've never seen before. So I've taken certain shows that I've never watched, and I'll start it from the beginning, and I'll watch it straight through, and I'll give you my blind date diary, my recap, if you will. Was it a good blind date? Does this blind date get a second? Or is this one going to get thrown out to pasture like the rest of the shitty blind dates? You can find out all of those. The the most recent one was the ECW December to Dismember pay-per-view. And I'll give you a a, a spoiler alert. That's not a blind date. I plan on going on again anytime soon. Um, (laughs) So uh, there's that and other great concepts we have going on on kicking out it too. And those are, and then of course there's marking out the day's weekend warriors where we recapped, um, 
WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night head-to-head the weekend war before there was a Monday Night War, if you will. Um, Kobe and I have had a great time doing that. It's been a lot of fun, bringing me back to my childhood. Some things I remembered, some things I was like, holy cow, that happened? I don't remember that. Right. But um, that's been a lot of fun, and uh, we just closed that up on December the 5th, earlier this month. Uh, WWE Network has still yet to release newer episodes of WWF Superstars, so in the meantime, We're throwing you some bonus content. Kicking Out of Two is bringing you some regular content to the network. And we're still formulating and getting the wheels turning as to what we're going to do next heading into 2020 with this collaboration between Kobe and I. But there's a ton of great content on the network that I think you all should go check out right now. Yeah, needless to say, um, (laughs) we have over 300 hours of content, over 190 episodes for you all. So definitely Dive into the archive if that's your flavor. And if you have a wrestling podcast, if you want to submit anything, if you have any ideas, if you have any pitches, or if you want to show for us to review, um, please contact us at retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook where we have a community there where we have polls and we share memes and videos and updates on episodes dropping on Facebook at Retromania with a W. You can follow along on Twitter at RetromaniaPod. And uh, like I said, I'm going to get Twitter pumping this year. So um, where can we find you, Dave? Uh, Facebook, you can find us over there, facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. All the links to archive shows uh, over there, as well as pictures and videos and articles and debates and discussions. A great, positive, fun, interactive community I'd like to create over there. Be a part of that. Hit that like button. If you have already, tell a friend to hit the like button. And just like Kobe, 2020 is a year where I'm going to really be pushing Twitter hard because it seems like unless you're a celebrity or unless you get that little blue check mark, that nobody gives a shit about you on Twitter. So um, give a shit about us on twitter retromania pod as well as at kicking out two that's k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t and the number two gifs gifs memes debates discussions videos links to archive shows all within 140 characters or less over there on the twitter yes indeed uh i think we should start like calling out wrestlers and getting some attention or heat um, oh yeah because that's gonna do us real products. good yeah yeah just like everyone else on twitter that, twitter that tags other, i hate that i don't know about you but i mean <clears throat> i frequent twitter quite often and all i see is a bunch of complaining wrestling fans that just you know like to tag people and you know i don't know i just well what I, if i not, what if i had posted the uh, bob Backlund videos like i have on our facebook page and tagged oh, bob God. Backlund and some other wrestlers that would have been good right and see that's yeah. some traffic See, I need to start doing that. 2020, we'll start doing that. <laughs> Those Bob Backlund pre-molesting videos that he's putting out. <laughs> yep, and the uh, the one of the, him hammering drywall. Yeah, <laughs> the ceiling. Yep, because <laughs> the power the, the the power drill wasn't invented in 1992. Right. Gee, Bob, we sure gonna miss you. <laughs> I'm gonna miss you too. Um, what I want you to do, um, <laughs> if you could. Uh, uh, turn down the lights um, and uh, uh, pull up the sheets and uh, make that nice, warm, cozy spot right there. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Bob Backlund, no. the inventor of be, the uh, the, the light dimmer. Be quiet. Okay, Mrs. Backlund's in the next room. I don't need her to know that I'm having an extramarital affair with a young boy. Please keep it down, okay? No screaming, no whining. Don't moan, Okay. <laughs> Just bite the pillow and take the dirt road home. Thank you. His favorite move is the chicken wing. 
after <laughs> some chicken wings. How he coaxed the boys. Oh, geez, we just turned Bob Backlund into a monster. I know. He's probably like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, my bro- I told you the story about yes. my brother-in-law, how he listened to the interview, and he was like so fascinated with the story. Yeah. yeah. Now I've turned Bob Backlund into, into, into a Quite fucking the pedophile. Oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. Jesus. Sorry, Bob. You just sounded like one in 1992 in your green screen promo. I wonder who came up with that fucking idea. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Bob, just talk really slow, really slow with a low voice, and you will sure to be get over. Yep. You will sure to get over, I should say. Yeah, Yeah. 1992, an odd time, um, and a lot of folks say it was the... Uh, wasn't the best year of wrestling, and you and I can maybe agree to that, but it, there was some good stuff that stood out over the last year for us. Um, I think so, too. Yeah. And I think I, this... I think there's some gems. Yeah, I think this Starcade kind of uh, should cap it for WCW if it's going to be their end-of-the-year show, you know? It used to yep. be considered the granddaddy of them all. And then I've heard yep. them say that they wanted that for uh, for Slamboree, or no, What what's the other one? Um, Super Brawl Super Brawl, yes They wanted that to be the next um, big event And then I also heard that Halloween Havoc was looked at as a big event So a lot of discrepancies there from people in the past that worked with WCW I feel like, you know, when it comes to WWF You have the big four, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series When it comes to WCW, I look at Starcade, Super Brawl, Bash at the Beach, and Halloween Havoc as your four right there. Those mm-hmm. are like your your big four. Everything else just kind of gets thrown together. Um, and this was during a period of time in 1992 where they didn't have as many pay-per-views. Both companies, it was you know four or five at the most um, each. So uh, this is this comes off of uh, you know, but they would sprinkle the Clash of Champions in there, you know, in between to kind of yes. like use as filler. Um, so this was during a period of time where it wasn't as heavy on the, the pay-per-view side, but the TV shows, there was Power Hour, there was Main Event, there was Saturday Night, there was Worldwide, there was all these wrestling shows that um, filled up the time uh, that you know just kind of bled into our timeline with Saturday Night on the Weekend Warriors concept. And then now it's going to culminate here with this Starcade ending 1992. Yeah, and we'll see if it uh, if it really uh, stood out or if it wrapped it up nicely for us or not. And uh, yeah, yeah. Sit two hours. Buckle up. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah, two hours and forty five minutes. Uh, it's, it's actually like a a good episode of Saturday Night. I guess we'll see. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This time we don't have to sit and recap it. We can just watch it together and just kind of you know go over it and and you guys can watch it with all us all of us. Or, we can watch it with all of you on WWE Network if you just uh, sign into your WWE Network account. Um, if you're already signed in, that's great. You can go to the the uh, the, the sidebar and the in-ring section, and then you're going to click on the WCW portion. And then after you click on that, you're going to click on WCW Pay-Per-Views, and then you're going to go to the year 1992. You'll see Starcade 1992, the date, December the 28th, 1992. Like Kobe said, it's two hours and 45 minutes. Um, and when we say play, you're going to hit play. Um, you can watch along with us or you can just listen to, to us two fine chaps, chop it up and talk about the, this pay-per-view event. Um, yeah, if you want to watch way. along with us, 
hit the mute button on your remote control so you can hear our voices, our lovely voices that you've been so used to this last year. And uh, that's about it when it comes to the instructions on uh, doing this little watch along thing. Yeah, either way, you'll enjoy a good, uh, good earful of wrestling. Yes. So when I say zero, hit that play button. We're going to count down. Okay, there you go. Zero. We're going to go five, <laughs> four, three, two, one, zero. Okay, ready? We're going to count down. Are you guys ready? All right. All right, let's ready? do it. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Starcade 1992 Battle Bowl. Yes, indeed. Ah, Flare for the Gold? Ah, they're throwing us back to the old Starcades, the Skywalkers. That's the one that I remember the most. Shy Town. 86. Collision. And now the Battle Bowl concept. Which they debuted the previous year in 1991. Yeah, Sting won that, right? Correct, yeah. And that was like 10 matches, 10 tag team matches with some random drawings. Um, which is interesting as we see uh, highlights of uh, the, the match of Rick Rude and Ron Simmons, yep. Shane, Shane Douglas, Douglas, and Ricky Steamboat. Unified tag champs. Going against Flying Brian and Barry Windham, which the names are swapped. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> Yes, I did. I did. Doesn't surprise me one bit. Masachono and the Great Muda for the the big gold belt. Still the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Correct. They are still in a working relationship with them. Yeah, it's 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 coming to an end fairly soon. It's getting hairy. And then Sting yeah. and Vader for the King of Cable. The King of Cable, which we were all, we were trying to figure out what that is, but um, when I was uh, doing some research, it's it sounds like that the king of cable tournament was um was to honor the um the, the years that wcw or nwa um had aired wrestling on tbs so that was the uh the, that was the reason behind the the king of cable tournament after the uh 20 was it 20 years that we've been through or 25 this i year? think it was 20 20 yeah, yeah. 20 years yeah. on tbs yeah nice which they kind of they celebrated at that clash of champions in September that we did that watch along for and kicking out at two. Yes, indeed. Um, also here in Atlanta, Georgia at the Omni, this is the Omni. Yes, this is the Omni. That is correct. Uh, that, that was a beautiful intro. I, I will say that their, their computer graphics were well advanced for the time. Yeah. And speaking of well advanced, look at Jesse Ventura's baseball hat, Malcolm X. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> You know I'm controversial. (laughs) Power to the people. And I I didn't tell him to wear that baseball cap. He does that shit all on his own. I got nothing to do with this. I'm just getting a paycheck here from the cowboy Bill Watts. That's right. I'm hoping up my barbecue sauce line. It's going to have nothing to do with Jesse Ventura or Malcolm X whatsoever. But we got Battle Bowl here tonight, folks. It's going to be a loaded card. We got 10 great matches for you. We got a King of Cable. We got a tag team title. We got a World Heavyweight title. We got a TV title. We got a barbecue title. We got every (laughs) kind of title there is. It's going to be a fantastic night here at Starcade 1992. Uh yeah wow uh that's beautiful what if what if jim ross had a damn malcolm x hat when like he got into the <laughs> wwf instead of the uh, cowboy hat and that oh was my the, goodness that was the direction think, he took think about that for a minute here okay let, let, let's 
let's just go back as we see Eric Bischoff in the WCW Magazine special report. Um, Bill Watts was fired from WCW a few months after this pay-per-view for a racially insensitive comment that he made in the media and Hank Aaron who was a high-ranking executive for Turner Atlanta Sports oh. and, and, and Atlanta Braves baseball legend, Hall of Famer, <laughs> caught wind of it and wanted Watts gone. Watts says he resigned. WCW says they fired him. But um, what's up with this Malcolm X baseball cap that Jesse Ventura is wearing and no one's making a stink about that? Yeah, it's um, and it's it's related to the angle i guess with the two cold scorpio the ron simmons the the barbarian tony atlas angle i mean that My stuff goodness. was pretty uh pretty intense and that was like two weeks ago you know three weeks ago yeah yeah that was a few weeks prior to this saw the locker rooms of of both the heels and the baby faces as we we get the drawing there, there he is hank aaron right there with the with bill watts with bill watts and tony schiavone um, it's going to present us the Battle Bull ring, it looks like here. Isn't it such a such a weird thing? We were just we're talking about it, and then here they are, and then these these are the guys that have the insight with each other. The and then yeah, Bill Watts is gone, I mean, and the booking has changed in WCW. Yeah, turned I on mean, its head. When it comes to Watts, people. When you look at his run as, you know, the president of wrestling operations for WCW during this time, most people remember the, the, the negative, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people don't realize, you know, the, the, what good he tried to bring to the organization by making the product different, bringing a more athletic presentation to it rather than the cartoonish uh, presentation that WWF was presenting on the other channel. Yeah, um, I'd say you and I have seen that clearly. I mean, yeah. we enjoyed a lot of WCW Saturday Night over um, WWF Superstars, Superstars. because of yeah. the, the way he booked. Yeah. Now... Don't get me wrong. There are some holes in the logic at times. Yes. I'm not saying that everything he did was perfect, um, but he tried to bring you something a little bit different than what the others were doing, which um, nowadays in, and in recent years, other organizations uh, aside from WWE have tried to become WWE like TNA or Impact Wrestling. Um, you know, AEW is trying to do something a little different with their athletic presentation. But um, and there you go. You got to get that old one line and hook them up as uh, we get set for the, the first match in this, uh, this this Battle Bowl concept here. Yes, yeah, Sting but, um, came out and he uh, took the ring that he had won last year. Is going to be defending it this year in the Battle Bowl. Yes. Didn't even get the ring last year. He got it this year, only to possibly lose it in the Battle Bowl. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if he got it last year, and they're just re rewarding it to him this year. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, you got to wait a whole year to get it, and then you're like, I got to fight for it tonight. Yeah, or they just make another one. I don't know. Kind of like what they do with you know championship rings in professional sports. Yeah. Um, Speaking of rings, there's some rings around some uh, boobies, some rosies, some titties. Yeah. Yeah. Missy Hyatt with some interesting <clears throat> suspenders. Yeah, 
That's an interesting looking outfit there. And Larry Zabisco looks none too pleased that he's got to work the work that work that gig with her. You're a whore, and I'm gonna keep my eyes forward. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm not gonna pay attention to anything here. Okay, I'm gonna take you to Larryland later. <laughs> but first, <laughs> let's bring out Van Hammer. Oh God, Van Hammer, everybody. Yeah. So this this was this actually would. This pairing was drawn at the Clash of Champions in November. Um, what, did he just do the middle finger? Ooh. Did he just lift the give the middle finger? I, I That's think so strange. He, he like blocked it semi. He, yeah. he blocked it, but then kind of gave this like motion, like okay. almost kind of like the Roman Reigns little like you know Superman <laughs> punch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but th- this this matchup was chosen at the Clash of Champions. Um, this will be Van Hammer teaming with Dangerous Dan Spivey. Interesting. As we see here. As they're going to take on the tandem of Johnny B. Bad and Cactus Jack. Yeah. Uh, I mean, interesting pairings. You would you would think, yeah, Cactus and Dan Spivey get teamed up uh, against Van Hammer and um, Johnny B. Bad. But I always, because the lethal lottery... They yeah. mix it up. I, as a kid, I liked the unpredictability yes. of like mixing the good guys and the bad guys. I thought that was what the appeal was to me as a as a kid. Well, again, um, different from WWF. Yeah, much different for sure. I mean, we but saw the Soul Survivors of- where it ends up with you know faces against heel teams. Like, how did that happen? You know. That's a concept that I thought the WWF, WWE should have kept with. Yes, um, but you could mix it up where maybe a heel is on the faces team. Yeah, now now you mix the heels and baby faces together um, in the in the spirit of the brand split, so to speak. Yes. Um, so it doesn't really have that kind of like uniqueness that it used to have, um, or that it would have would have had at that time in nineteen in the nineties. But um, Bad Blaster Johnny B. Bad showering the twelve people in the front row, spooting all confetti. over the kids. Yeah, <laughs> it's the kiss that don't miss. <laughs> it's gonna be a blessing to teach you a lesson. Oh yeah, but as as we we get to this, you know, the the beginning of this match. Um, what are, what have been some since we're talking about our one year anniversary of this collaboration? Um, give me some of your highs and lows of uh, of our collaboration together. Oh, um, definitely. And and, and 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 let's 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 try to give the listeners a little bit of a peek of what we kind of went through um, to eventually get to the concept that we're at right now with Weekend Warriors. Absolutely. Um, definitely the, I'll start off with the lows and then get to the highs. Okay, um, perfect. So the lows were struggling to try to find a concept and organize everything. Um, mm-hmm. we, we started with the marking out the day's concept, which I was like, all right, we're going to cover a day in wrestling. And then I saw how much wrestling content there was. And at the time I had enough time to just try to watch it all and review it, but it was a mouthful. It was an earful. It was a lot to get through. Um, so that Speaking was a mouthful. Van Hammer just slapping the cactus. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Twice, but go ahead and continue. I'm sorry. I, I mean, he's on a roll. He, he, we saw him improve. We definitely have seen him improve. Yeah, a little. Just a little. Yeah, you're not going to give him that much credit. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> big leg drop there, too. 
Um, keep it, I'm keeping the gimmick going, all right, with the concept. All right, he still true. sucks in my timeline, okay? True, true. <laughs> um, some more lows were just trying to, uh, to fill time for me. This has been a busy year personally. I'm currently in a move right now. I was in a transition for a job. Um, a lot of stuff going on personally. Um, so that was trying to organize everything and trying to launch the network um, kind of you know, got, got sidetracked there. So yeah. that being said, 2020 is the year of revival and coming back and, uh, you know, just firing on all pistons. Um, and the highs definitely have been the marking out the days concept. Um, you know, we covered some, some fun stuff and it's consistently been, a funny show or an interesting show where we, where we find something that, uh, we didn't really notice or pull out or people don't really talk about too much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of stuff that we've seen over the last year of covering WWF and WCW. And we get like some good inside jokes between us because it's a it's a weekly show. Um, so, yeah, it, that was a lot of fun. That was definitely the high for me and uh, the growth of the listeners as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, I would kind of, I would have to agree with you on 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 all fronts on both the highs and the lows. I mean, you know, we 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 were kind of feeling each other out, feeling out a concept, what's going to work for us, what's going to work with our schedules, with our lives. You know, you like you said, you had a lot of, of free time in the beginning, and you know, you had a, an eye full, a mouth full, and an ear full of wrestling all mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, and I just felt like in order for it to work for us um kind of use that less is more theory you know yes um yeah and i thank and, you for that that's why you know we've worked well as a team yeah i i appreciate that and it's not and it wasn't me trying to like you know step on toes or anything because don't get me wrong like i love wrestling and you know i i sensed the the passion um when it came to covering all of those shows and those subjects and, and things like that. But, um, in order to give them the quality and our listeners, the quality of the recap and the review that we just kind of had to tighten things up a little bit. And it just so happened that at the time the network put out superstars and they had already put out Saturday night or one vice versa and the timeline just kind of fit. And I was like, well, let's just do this. Yeah. And it really worked. And, and, and it's worked and it's been enjoyable. Um, like you said, the inside jokes with the things that we catch while we're watching and recapping and taking notes, um, or like, you know, at one point, you know, towards the end of the, the, this last year, you and I would like alternate and, you know, Dude, you know, one week I'll cover superstars, one week you'll cover Saturday night, and vice versa. We'd flip flop, and right. some weeks it would, some weeks we'd get to WCW Saturday night, and it would be like one hour and fifty-one minutes, and it's like, oh Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> and it would just be so. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta sit through a fucking Johnny Polo promo or a Scotty Flamingo. Oh my yeah, goodness, Vinny Vegas and Brad Armstrong. What the fuck, man? Oh, what, what was I thinking? You know, like, um, but then there was like the the highs of of recapping Saturday night where you would see like the the ongoing roller coaster ride that was the dangerous alliance and how that you know, tied Dustin in with Dustin Rhodes. and yeah, Barry. Oh. Yeah. 
just you know so i i would have to agree with you on all fronts that like the highs and lows were, were pretty much on the same page and um it what what i got out of this with working with you was two things like i said reliving some of my youth by going back and being like oh yeah i remember that like that was cool you know and then also thinking to myself as a kid wow that was cool as a kid but i'm 36 years old that's not that fucking cool anymore right you know like you know or going back and being like i don't remember that when did that happen like i used to watch this all the time i don't remember that episode or i don't remember this storyline you know and j just the what what I was able to find out on a weekly basis from watching both shows and being like, ooh, wow, like the highs and the lows from it. That's what I kind of took from it. It was like, wow, this is, you know, th th this has been an interesting ride. Correct. So, um, I agree with you, too. It's like you look back at stuff as a kid. I, I thought WWF was amazing. And now I'm looking at it as an adult, 32 years old, and I'm like, man, there's some comprehensive stuff uh, with WCW that I probably didn't understand as a kid a lot of like uh innuendos and stuff in the storylines that i probably didn't focus on i was probably busy playing with action figures or you know uh shit in my pants or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> playing with my willy don't be silly um like I, I, but wwf just captivated me because of the cartoon aspect and the uh that you can tell it was like more of a highlight show uh with enhancement matches drizzled in here and there um yes speaking of shit and pants uh some of the fans shat their pants that dan spivey and van hammer just won that match yeah they actually had um, some comprehensive uh tag team wrestling between each other they, they they worked together pretty well yeah they were a cohesive unit but uh van hammer rolls up cactus jack one two three and they advance into the battle bowl yay and what's different about this battle bowl than the one from the previous year at the 91 Starcade was that there's only one ring. Last year, the year prior, there were two. That's right. So um, as we come back here, we see uh, Missy with her, t her, her tit suspenders and Larry Zabisco looking thrilled to be there. And Tony Schiavone, who's just, you know, collecting a paycheck. Two locker rooms. Dustin Rhodes All looks right, like he's been chosen. All right, the next Dustin Rhodes. It's right here. Who's he going to be teaming with from the heel side? Because that's how they usually do it. Vader time. Vader. Wow. Yeah. Two guys who actually uh, had a match recently in weeks, right? Yeah, a little history with each other in the King of Cable tournament um, in our timeline, for those of you that have been keeping score. Um, who is that guy in the suit next to Scorpio? And Ch Oh, he looks like it's, one uh, of those it's, guys. It's... Uh, is that Hattori? Yes. Red shoes? No, 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 no. Shit. It's um, fuck. Fujiwara, Fujinami. Fujinami. Yeah. Tatsumi. Yeah, I think so. Really? Hold. No, we'll it's 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 no, later. it's Hido Matsuda. Hiro Matsuda. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See Vader with Harley Race, not far behind. Just had to finish that Salem cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Leon, you need to slow the fuck down. Who's the man? Who's the man? Yeah, um, so going back to um, everything, I think, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've gained respect for a lot of WCW and what the storytelling does for wrestling for me. 
And that yeah. has definitely made me fall in love with the small little show called NWA. Um, now, yes. this show this year has uh, has just fucking caught my attention, man, just because it's a throwback. It's a love story to this type of era or maybe 10 years earlier than this. Um, or 86, I would say. Um, WW, WCW and, and NWA. They have... A nice little pocket where they built some characters. They have a small roster. Um, they bring you this studio format. It's simple storytelling, but it's all told in the ring and through the promos uh, directly to the audience. Um, I just love that feeling and that vibe. What are, you, what are your thoughts on NWA Power as we see Barbarian coming out with Kenzuki Sasaki to go against Vader and Dustin? Yeah, um, this is an interesting pairing on the other side. Barbarian, who we've talked about quite a bit in our show in recent weeks. Um, a little handshake with him and Vader. Now it's, you know, friends no more, I guess. Um, but anyhow, um, when it comes to NWA, it's it's a different presentation in the landscape of, of pro wrestling currently in 2019 as we head into 2020. Um, and I think what's great about it is that it's so different the studio vibe you know there's no wrestlers with entrance music they can just come out and you tell a story in the ring and then you have the promos directly to the audience and it's a small intimate setting it's it's got that old nwa television studio feel but it's also got this like underground like i wouldn't say cult like following but it's like it's 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 for a niche audience yeah and I think it's great considering what's out there, you know, in, in today we have WWE that puts out a massive amount of content with Raw and SmackDown and NXT and then you got AEW that's, you know, new on the scene and really making a big splash and, and in a sense the ones that really, I guess you could say like lit the fire under everybody else to just, you know, present something a little, you know, a little bit different. Um, Hence the NWA Power Show that's out there, MLW and Impact Wrestling, and there's so much content out there. And 2019 has been a real breakout year for just wrestling in itself, and especially in the latter part of this year with um, you know SmackDown's move to Fox, NXT on USA, AEW on the scene, NWA you know on YouTube and on their their social media. It's 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 become a great year as a wrestling fan for all the content. There's so much content that like I can't keep up. I mean, yeah. it's it's to the point where like, you know, and I have a busy schedule. Full disclosure, I work a, a, a day job at a school with kids. I work at night taking care of uh, kids with uh, special needs. And then, of course, I'm married. So, you know, I got to spend time with my wife, of course, which, you know, and I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, but there's so much time. that's like there's not enough time, I should say, for me to watch my wrestling. You yeah. know, and sometimes I get frustrated. It's like, God damn, like. I want to put on this, you know what I mean? Like, right. and so I got to like find time, like, you know, sneak it in here and there to catch stuff. And then of course with, with that schedule and then what we were doing with our concept, watching both shows, holy cow, it was like wrestling overload. But yeah. I mean, it's something that a lot of wrestling fans dream of, um, that harkens back to, you know, this time period. Oh Jesus. That was sloppy. Oh my God. Oh, follows uh, up with a clothesline. Speaking of time, uh, Vader time it was, but now Barbarian and him are struggling in the ring. But it's some hoss shit back and forth. Not too bad. Yeah. Not, no, not bad at all. I'd um, like to see that match. 
And they Vader could eventually yeah. they could eventually turn Vader face. They could have. But they yeah. they kept him heel. Yeah. Um but he was stronger as a heel at the time Absolutely. and I also think too. This was this was 1992. This was before the the mold for traditional baby faces and heels were changed up. Nice little clothesline there by Dustin. Yeah. Uh, little setup there. That was almost like that heart foundation, heart attack move. Um, but yeah, this was before that. You know, the, the mold for baby faces and heels were 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 changed around, um, and it wasn't so traditional um, as to what a good guy and what a bad guy really stood for in wrestling. Like I said, this is 1992, so we're but we're starting to see little pieces of it, at least in WCW, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and back to what you're saying, I, I think with. What we've always said is it's not about which wrestling is better or or anything like that. It's you get different flavors now. Um, yeah. I can watch NWA Power and enjoy a throwback kind of show, a, like, a, you know, kind of underground show, like you said, or MLW, which is like a fusion underground show uh-huh. um, or waste my time with Impact. I wouldn't do that. It's like I haven't watched Impact this year, so I won't say anything bad about it. Well, um, I'll be honest with you. I I have it on the DVR, and okay. I've caught a. I, I have it on my DVR, and I haven't watched a full episode. I watched um, when Sammy Callahan won the title against Brian Cage inside the steel cage, and then I watched that throwback episode that they did. Um, where it was like a throwback to the 80s and it was the impact wrestling federation alliance or something like that um it was like a it was it was almost like those southpaw regional wrestling episodes that are on the wwe network um where they kind of like had like hokey 80s characters um that they portrayed in front of the audience. It was just like a throwback episode that they did, Interesting. which I thought was, it was actually fun. I wouldn't say it was great, but it was, it was, it was pretty fun to watch. I'm not sure why um, I haven't heard of that. I, I would like to see that actually. Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. They had like a, um, and it's like the, the, the stereotypical eighties wrestling carny gimmick, you know, um, Josh Matthews was the was obviously the color commentator, but you know his his father owned the territory. They used all the carny speak like kayfabe and 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 everything else. It was actually kind of funny. Cool. You should check it Very out. Very cool. But um, oh, nice suplex by Kensuke Sasaki. Yeah, this is this would be another good match. Um, a, a, a good reason to have these tag team combinations here is to give you little previews of. Uh, single matches that we could have um again influence of new japan pro wrestling um Mm -hmm. they do that a lot um to build up to their main event matches they often have cards that are stacked full of tag matches um you'll have four on four three on three two on two um and that's just building for the tension or building new feuds between people yeah now I got a question. Ken, Kensuke Sasaki, he was one of the the Hellraisers, correct? With, correct, um, and with I think Road it's Warrior Hawk? yes. At this time, right now, he is currently flipping back and forth. Okay, I was going to say because it was, and we got a roll up by Dustin on Barbarian for the win, yep. and Dustin and Vader will advance to the Battle Bowl match. Wow. Um. um yeah, actually, Kensuke Sasaki, I think this coming year at uh, in the Tokyo Dome coming up in January. Oh. Oh man! Wow, wow! 
Like I said, you Vader was going to uh, probably hurt his partner after. I knew uh, it. Yeah. Or Cactus. No, I thought Cactus would do that, but Cactus didn't even advance. No. Johnny V. Bad Vader. gave him the, 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 the kiss that don't miss, baby. Hell yeah. Um, What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Kenzuki Suzaki, I think, uh, this year at the Tokyo Dome coming up in 93, the January Tokyo Dome that New Japan always runs. I think he's teaming with... Um, Road Warrior Animal as the Hellraisers. Is it Animal or Hawk? Hawk, I'm sorry. Hawk. Yeah. Because I know that it was during this period of time towards the end of 92 when, you know, the Road Warriors left WWF and I believe Hawk and Animal had like a falling out um, personally. And Hawk went over to Japan and started tagging with um, Sasaki. Yep. They were the Hellraisers. Yes. Super Brawl 3, which, by the way, we covered on one of our earlier um, renditions of Marking Out the Days. And Go out of your way to watch Sting versus Vader in a strap match. Unbelievable. And that show is probably one of the more underrated cards um, during a really, really, really poor period in wrestling when it comes to creative content yeah but super yeah super Bowl three very underrated show yeah so okay uh january 4th in the tokyo dome 1993 it would be uh road warrior hawk and power warrior kanzuki Suzaki, who are the iwgp tag team champions at the time they were they would wrestle against the steiner brothers rick and scott to Ooh. a double count out interesting in 14 minutes yeah. Uh, nice. So next selection in the tag team match, Barry Windham. He'll be teaming with. Let's see. Who's, who's coming out? Oh. Huh? Juice and Thunder. Yeah. Oh no, Scorpio. Scorpio. Pass and the card next. to me because I can read. <laughs> Flying Brian. All right. So it looks like it's going to be Scorpio and Flying Brian against Barry Windham and I believe the Great Muda. It's interesting that <clears throat> that one that that they put Barry Windham with um, Flying Brian in the in the weeks coming up to this event, which we had yeah. recently saw a brief pairing of Brian Pillman and Stunning Steve Austin. Correct. So, uh, yeah, I, I watched some of the Saturday night episodes leading up to this, and Barry Windham clearly having a, a team uh, and being a mentor to Flying Brian. Yeah, I think it, it's, and we've kind of talked about it on our uh, on on this podcast, but um, it was interesting how like how much they were like testing out and trying out during this time period. Like the dangerous Alliance we had talked about, like was, you know, they were the focal point of the year for the most part. And then here's Muda yeah. late to the party. Um, looking good here, but um, they were testing out different things and the dangerous Alliance was still a thing, but Pillman kind of had a loose tag team relationship with Austin, but then it was Wyndham. It was just, so, it was just so all over the place. Um, at one point towards the end of the year, at least on our timeline that, um, you really couldn't make heads or tails, but 
Excuse me. Um, but yeah, it would it would become a little bit more defined um, as the weeks went on with uh, when it came to Wyndham's role. But it just seemed like there was still a dangerous alliance, but there wasn't. But there was a split in the dangerous alliance. Um, Paulie, I think, would be gone by this point. Yeah, the, there's the, fractures, the, and then there's segments or yeah. sex, sect, sect. Okay. What? Sex as in like S-E-C-T-S? Yes. There's fractures okay. and sex within the yeah. uh, <laughs> Dangerous Alliance. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Well, with Medusa, yeah. I would hope there was some exactly. sex, man. Jesus. Doocy. Hey, You're the only one we can have sex with. Yeah. As, as Barry Windham's <laughs> like, not really. I mean. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Too cold, Scorpio. Great mood of here looking, wow. looking to lock up. Wow. Yeah. This should be interesting. Great Muda is peak, peak Muda right now. 1992 to 94 would be the top years for KG Muda, I believe. Actually, really? 90 to 94. I think so. those are some of his best years. Have you seen some of the stuff he did in 89 with uh, Gary Hart and Terry Funk as part of the JTEC score? Yes. So let me elongate it then. I mean, I, okay, I, I mean well, he, was, he was peak. Just like this was great when he came to new japan full-time um uh-huh. they turned him face um because they had to because he was just uh-huh. such an incredible um wrestler and captivated the audience um and they they took the face paint off and he became keiji muto um okay but yeah still donning the great muto gimmick right now which is awesome um Still wrestling currently, Jesus. right? Still makes some some appearances. Yes, he does. And uh, him and Brian Pillman putting on a showcase of wrestling expertise right here. Headlock, like spinning back kick, a cartwheel, ducking a a drop kick. Oh man, these guys are on fire. And this is interesting here because Wyndham and Pillman are scheduled to team together. Later in the evening against Douglas and Steamboat for the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. And they're both heels. And so you would think that they would do like the heel thing and take it easy on each other. But they're going at it. Hello? Wyndham and Pillman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, they're, they're, it's It's that odd stuff of like. Bill Watts is like, well, your heels, you're just going to hook it up. I assume. I mean, yeah, that, that makes the most sense. I know, I know, like, WWF logic, the guys would be like, they they want to back off, and then something would accidentally happen in the match where they bump into each other and then maybe tussle a little bit. Yeah. <sighs> but I guess... You know, they, they, they don't see the bigger picture here. Yeah. Uh, um, Great Muda, actually, currently the IWGP heavyweight champion at this moment. Oh, okay. So they... Interesting. They have him going against... Oh! Oh, Jesus! Oh. What a... Right to the freaking bottom of the chin of Brian Pillman, a spinning back yeah. kick from Great Muda. There was no protection there. Man, that, Holy was, cow. that was tough. Um, that was a nice shot. Yeah, interesting that they don't bring up that Muda is the IWGP heavyweight champion. I'm not listening on commentary, but they don't bring it up in the match that he's going to be having uh, with Chono tonight for the NWA heavyweight championship. 
because, uh, interesting enough, at the Tokyo Dome show that were that was I recently talked about, uh, 1993, it'll be Great Muda against Chono again, title against title. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wonder what the reason behind that was. It was just maybe the right not telling the left, you know, what's going on, or did was there some sort of stipulation where, you know, they couldn't talk about it, or... Uh, yeah, again, I don't know, because um, I know we saw some edited versions on the network where they cut a lot of the New Japan stuff out. Um, yeah, because I believe the... I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that New Japan footage is owned by New Japan. Correct. So WWE couldn't, wouldn't be able to, unless they were, unless they were to, you know, pay the fee to license it for use on the network. But like they kind of do with Impact Wrestling, they use some of their stuff. Yeah. Um. Not sure. Barry Windham whipping some ass right now, um, giving it all he has to Too Cold Scorpio. Still, for a big guy his size, at that at that stage in his career, he could move very well. He wasn't he wasn't a slouch in the ring. Oh no, Barry Windham. Yeah, yeah. He uh, this was one of his finest years, I think, too. Um, oh yeah, this in ninety three. with Dustin. Yeah. Had a run with the with the world title at one point. You would almost but a lot of people. Sorry, go ahead. A lot of people look at that run with the world title like it was the consolation prize because he was he was what was left. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't the first choice, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least in management's mind. Correct. Which I thought was which I thought was a mistake to to kind of treat him that way. Me too. You know? um, and I think that was kind of like the peak of his career, and then that was almost it. You know, after that, Barry Windham didn't really do too much, and I mean he kind of came back as. Uh, that WWF gimmick, and that was done br- quick, pretty quick. And then, then we had the um, the rap is crap stuff, which gave him a little bit of a resurgence, but never again to that highlight or to that main event status. You know? Well, I think uh, I think too. Also, he was um, Jesus knees to the freaking midsection of Muda. That was a yeah. slippery one. Four fifty. That was over the that top was ugly. Rope. Yeah. From Scorpio. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's okay. I mean, with Wyndham, um, oh, I like this. That DDT right there. Impact DDT it, right? from Barry Wyndham to uh, Too Cold Scorpio as Muda goes to the top rope. Beautiful moonsault onto Too Cold Scorpio. One, two, three. Whoa, two, three. Yeah. Yeah, he rang the bell. Yep. Barry Windham told Brian Pillman to back off, and now he tells him, don't look at Too Cold Scorpio. Let's get out of here. Don't, so yeah, don't help him Barry out, Windham yeah. picked up the victory real quick, and, uh, yeah. See you later, alligator. Heading to the finals. And they also have a tag team match for the championship. Yep. Yeah, Muda and Windham advance in Battle Bowl, and Windham's got also got a match in the... And it's interesting the the booking of this pay per view. They kind of crammed everything in oh, between King of Cable, some 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 matches as well as um, you know so, some some title matches as well as the Battle Bowl concept. They really crammed it in as we see the the two locker rooms um, awaiting the uh, the the next drawing. 
the entrance here. There's Missy Hyatt. All right, let me see here, you bimbo. Coming up next. <laughs> nothing happening to Eric Watts. Oh, yeah. All right, come on, you slut. Hurry up. Let's go. Who's next? Should be my spot. Uh-oh. Oh, Jushin good. Thunder Liger. So uh, nice the next tandem, Watts and Jushin Thunder Liger. So we get two faces, so, actually. Yeah, it's two the, baby uh, faces as a tag team. Oh, wait a minute. What's this? Ah, oh, my boy Doc. Hitting the, hitting the ropes hard as ever. Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Dr. Death, my boy, Doc. <coughs> now, we should mention, for those of you that um, are keeping score, listening and watching along with us, um, well, it looks like Doc's going to be teaming up with Sting. Wow. Now, Sting automatically earned an entry into the Battle Bowl from winning last year, as well as getting a ring tonight that he's going to have to defend later on in the evening, as well as competing in the King of Cable tournament. Um, a lot of guys playing double and triple duty um, on this show, but... Um, for those of you keeping score, at the beginning of the, the, the show, we saw the, uh, the graphics that read uh, Rick Rude and Ron Simmons for the world title. Unfortunately, Rick Rude will not be able to compete in that match against Ron Simmons. What? And he will, yeah, he'll be replaced by Dr. Death on this card. So it's going to be Dr. Death versus Ron Simmons for the, for the, the WCW World Heavyweight title. Well, how the um, hell did that happen? What happened? Yeah. Uh, Rude uh, was injured a few weeks prior, and they they pulled him from the uh, fr from the pay per view at the last minute. So um, is this the injury that he of... suffered against Sting? Uh, no, not the career threatening okay. one. No, because he was he would still wrestle a um, couple years after. And when did they he, make? He, he would go till he would go till about ninety four. Yeah, like mid ninety four. Yeah. When did he? Uh, I mean, when did they make the announcement that he would not be participating? Um, I believe they did it on this show. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they, yeah, I, I, I want to say they might've done it at the beginning of the broadcast when Ventura and, um, and, and JR were, were, uh, they opened the show. Um, this is an interesting matchup here. Liger and Sting. Oh man. An amazing match. I'd love to see his singles. Sting looks like he dwarfs Liger though. If you look at I know. him. Uh, Sting, a big man. Yes, indeed, he is a very, very big man. And but an interesting combination with him and Dr. Death as a tag team. Yeah, absolutely. Another match that I'd like to see. Wow, he tried to go for a, a monkey flip, but uh, Jushin Liger avoided it. Nice little standoff between Sting and Liger. Yeah, nice little setup there. And pay no attention to the corner of your screen uh, to your left of uh, Eric Watts. Um, He's he's gonna amount to nothing in this match. Spoiler alert. So yeah, he's um, he's the the small guy with red tights. The, the yeah, he's bl the bland vanilla guy. Yeah, he's the he's the enhancement talent that got a spot on this show. <laughs> the boss's jobber nation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's gonna get the tag. Here oh, we go. God. Ooh, Jesus, that was an ugly arm drag. All right, that one was a little better. There we go. He didn't let Dr. Death drop all his weight on his head. No, not at all. <laughs> Eric, La Eric Watts would not be long for this world. Um, I think he'd be gone from WCW right around the same time that his dad got the 
got his walking papers. Interesting. Uh, which was in the spring of 93. And then what would he do? Um, Float around in some like local territories, and then he came back I think he floated around a little TNA. bit. Uh, actually, he had a brief run in the WWF in 1995. Really? As, a, right. part, oh, as a part of a tag... Techno Team 2000. Correct. This is when Bill Watts had a consulting role on the booking team in the WWF. And that didn't last very long either. Yeah. What about, um, what was the team that we, we had on uh, Marking Out the Days? Oh, um, with, um, oh, fuck, I forget it. Jesus. I know you're talking about. Um, they came from the year 2003. Yeah, 2002, 2003. I forget what they were. Oh, man. Chris Champion was the name of one of the yep, guys, I yep. think. Chris Champion and, uh, oh, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up during this. Uh, but, yeah, what if, what if they went up against Techno Team 2000 while they were time traveling? Yeah, I, I would time travel to the bathroom to force myself to take a dump during that match. <laughs> if I didn't have to shit, I was going to make myself shit. <laughs> That's what we do uh, during Eric Watts matches. Uh, actually, a dog, if you guys missed it on one of the episodes of Marking Out the Days, a dog even came in my yard to shit while we were watching an Eric Watts <laughs> match. Right. We were covering an Eric Watts match. That is right. <laughs> You're like, hold on a minute. There's some dog shitting in my yard. And I, and, and, and I haven't listened to that episode yet, but did we? Because uh, I normally listen to, to take notes on my 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 commentary but did um did you leave that in there by any chance oh yeah definitely the, yep. okay good all right good i think i told you to but or i asked you to i should say yeah it was um, uh it was a good moment yeah that was that <laughs> i could hear you in the background like hey what are you doing yeah. hey <laughs> i was calling the action while you were uh while you were having your standoff with this uh this dog and his uh his bowel movement in your back <laughs> I had to run him off. It was the it was the new breed that we had uh, from the the time travelers from nineteen eighty six. The new that breed, from, that's yeah. what it is. Okay, yes, I, I yeah. Tip of my tongue, I didn't know either. The new breed against the Techno Team two thousand. Oh my God! They meet in the year two thousand one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Somewhere in between. Who the fuck knows? Uh, Sting and Jushin Liger in the ring right now still. Yeah, it's probably for the better. Yeah. Because at one point I think Watts was running the ropes and he was he thought he was going to deliver a move. He ran the ropes and then went back to the corner. Like he didn't <laughs> even do anything. <laughs> ah, classic Watts. Pretty silly. Silly guy. As we're about 45 minutes into this, they crammed a lot so far. Sting went for a splash, hits the corner, tags in Steve. Dr. Death, my boy, Doc. Now, I believe at this time, if I'm not mistaken, either Gordy was hurt or Gordy quit the promotion. And that's why uh, Dr. Death is riding solo, because for a brief period of time on our timeline, Doc and Gordy were a, um, were a tag team. They were the unified world tag team champions. Yep. Uh, I believe Gordy would uh, eventually go to All Japan. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And then uh, Dr. Death would not be long after, uh, as well as Vader. Um, everybody would be going over there 
big hosses fighting over there um, in all Japan, trading off the titles as well. Okay. All right. Interesting. And then uh, Terry Gordy would meet his uh, ill-fated uh, injury. or Well, he had a big match set up, um, I believe, for the All Japan title. And on a plane flight, took a lot of pills and drugs and was never really the same after that. And I think was Wasn't in, a in a coma. coma at one point. Yeah, in a coma. Yeah. yeah. So, somas and drugs, everybody. I thought it was a car accident. Mm, I think it was in due to that, though. The uh, the pills and everything. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at this time, a lot of wrestlers are abusing somas and uh, painkillers and speed and cocaine. But it's under the it's under the it's under wraps because there's the other federation, the WWF, that has a big uh, big trial coming up. Yeah, they're in the midst of their own little uh, little uh, steroid trial. I was recently listening to uh, uh, Grill and Jr. and uh, the the topic of um, of uh, performance enhancing drugs came up, and uh, Jr. Uh, mentioned how he was um, how he thought it for professional wrestling that it shouldn't be illegal for the guys to 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 take um to to take steroids because uh, he considered wrestling a performing art mm-hmm. uh, and he was he thought that as long as you know that the the use was under doctor's care and under doctor's supervision doctor be allowed yeah, my boy Doc. As long, as long as Doc is watching you put that needle in your butt cheek <laughs> after you just rubbed so it with some of that honey it. chipotle JR's barbecue sauce, then it should be fine that you go and take them steroids, boy. I tell you, you know, cranky, I'm a cranky bastard. I mean, you're you know just what I mean? out there performing. Yeah, you're just, it's a performing art. I mean, the physicality's there, but, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like you're at the 10-yard line, you're about ready to score. You know, this ain't a, sp- oh, my goodness, my boy doctor's got it from behind from Aaron. Oh, no. um, Jesus Christ, that was the ugliest drop kick I oh, ever saw. God, oh, my God, damn near need Dr. Death in the face. <sighs> oh, this man, guy. he's getting rough with him. Oh, yeah, now he's trying to get that float over STF. Um, Good thing he got the rope. God. Thank God. I could never see Dr. Death tapping out to that. That would ruin him. As we saw Arn yeah. Anderson fucking tap out to that hold. To do- oh, to the, yeah. I, and you know what's interesting about that, too? Just, I'm glad you brought that up because I listened to the Arn podcast. Um, and like I said, I think you would like it. It's a lot of older stories of his days um, in uh, Crockett and... Uh, is WCW stuff. Jesus Ooh. Christ, that was ugly too. Um, hopefully that's the end. Hopefully. Two. Thank you. Three. Wow, that's it. Dr. Death gave uh, the stun gun to Eric Watts. I wish he fucking had a guillotine under there. Um, <laughs> and um, Yeah, sorry, but go ahead. Arn Anderson's podcast, sorry. Um, he um, He talked about how it was his idea. To do the whole STF in the gas station angle um, to try and get Eric over. It was his idea to do it. Um, uh-huh. The company didn't approach him about it. He was just going along and trying to help him out. Wow. Um, yeah. Talk about a giving guy. Oh, very, very giving. Um, well, back to your steroid I w- statement. I, I agree. 
as long as it doesn't affect the health of the guy too much. I mean, we saw what steroid and roid rage and head um, he, uh, head trauma can do yeah. uh, to people. Um, I mean, there's plenty of people that you can bring up, but we all know the one name. Um, oh, yeah. What? Yeah, we know. We're, yeah. yeah. You referring to Benoit? No. Yeah. Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. Um, yeah. So gotcha. that I mean, that is where I could draw the line and see, like, if you're hindering your health, if you're hurting other people, if you have substance abuse or I don't know. It can get bad. But I can see, like, using uh, healthy alternatives or human growth hormones that um, yep. help you uh, gain mass and look to your peak performance because it is a body thing but as Uh we've noticed some bodies can be left alone and they're fine not you know just the way they are it's part of the look and the gimmick oh yeah i mean um a lot of times people use uh use steroids to help recover from injuries um i'll hear you were talking about earlier muda baby face no face paint yeah, he's showing that baby face look. Yeah, so he's different in New Japan at the time, but he, he'll, he'll yeah. go back and forth. Um, he must have borrowed Shane Douglas's ring gear. <laughs> Absolutely. They're giving us a little, uh, I guess, a recap of the history between Chono and uh, Muda as Chono is applying that STF because he's the fucking one who had that hold at the time, not Eric Watts. Eric Watts is no. an impersonator, a stealing <laughs> fucking little thieving rich kid. I saw a picture of him recently. Really? Uh, it surfaced on social media. He was at, um, he took a picture with uh, Scott Hall and DDP at DDP's Christmas party at his house. And he was wearing an ugly uh, ugly Christmas sweater. That sweater had more charisma than him. Oh, my gosh. Uh, You'll have to uh, pull it up. Does he still have yeah. a shitty goatee? The one strip going uh, down? I don't know. I, I, I Maybe. I, I, but he's got a lot of gray hair. Um <laughs> This is much older now. Muda's back. Yes, indeed. Looks like we're going to have ourselves a NWA world title match with Masahiro Chono. Um, and you'll be able to uh, educate me as well as the listeners more about uh, these two and their history together. Well, right now, um, it's, it's, it's a great time. It's it's They're the Three Musketeers. Uh, they're part uh-huh. of the Three Musketeers. Um, it's, it's bringing... A whole new set of eyes to the company of New Japan that had been dwindling in the the early 90s um, mm-hmm. with some of the booking decisions of Inoki, um, some okay. of the Inokiisms, um, if you will. They, they tried the MMA fusion early in 1989 and uh, in the 90s, um, well, way before they started doing it in the... 2005 era and kind of ruined their company again with bringing back Brock Lesnar and having um, Bob Sapp as their champion and a lot of like mixed martial artists. But um, so they so, so they started that in '89. You're saying so like having MMA guys working in the in the promotion. I mean to go back, that's what the basis of New Japan Pro Wrestling was. Inoki always had uh-huh. mixed martial arts matches. I remember, he had okay. the mixed martial arts championship. That was the WWF. He All was right. the mixed martial arts champion. Um, okay, I, I vaguely remember that. So they wow. always brought that. Uh, f- he always brought that flavor of realism or mixed martial arts uh-huh. into the wrestling. 
Um, but yep. you know, we we as wrestling purists, we we see it as a fusion or a cross between the guys, um, like a Naoki Sano and Jushin Thunder Liger, who had a great feud. Naoki Sano was more of a ground and pound grappling guy, um, but they, they okay. always did great. Uh, they always did great ways of storytelling a dynamic between a, a classic wrestler like these two who have amateur wrestling backgrounds, Keiji Muto and, and Masahiro Chono, as well as the, uh, the third, um, the third musketeer is Shinya Hashimoto, who's a bigger fellow, but also has that same history as them. They are classic wrestlers, but they have that amateur background as well. Um, but it's changing that that guard of going back to the eighty nine ninety where they had like uh, Russian mixed martial artists and actual amateur wrestlers involved in a tournament with them and boxers. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Um, See, I never knew that stuff. Like I said, you're gonna have to educate me and 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 some of the listeners that aren't familiar with it because that's that that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 a changing of the guard. It's a changing of time. These are these. These guys right here, Chono and Muda, as we'll see in this match, they'll put on a preview of the classic showcases that they'll have throughout the years, and they'll they'll switch it off between Shinya Hashimoto as well. Um, so wow. it's almost like The Rock, Austin, and and Triple H and Mankind, you know, okay. um, during that right. time period. That is what this is right now. We're witnessing The Rock and Austin. Uh, okay, so it's the okay. All right, fair enough. That's that's a that's a good way to put it. Now let me ask you something. I know Muda, his English to this day, <clears throat> excuse me, is not the greatest. Um, I believe he did a, a, a Starcast convention recently, and um, it was a sit down panel with him, and he had to have an interpreter. Mm-hmm. I believe Sonny Ono was his interpreter. Okay. Um, what's Chono's English like? Uh, and I'm only asking this because there, I would. If they if their English isn't the greatest, I would imagine that they would probably have um, a Japanese referee in the ring to call the match. But this is a WCW official, so I'm just curious uh, what what what's the the meaning behind the WCW referee with two guys who don't really speak great English? He's just out there to count the pin. Like yeah, really really good point, man. Um, I think Chono's. Japanese to English is just the same as Muda's. I wouldn't, uh-huh. I would maybe say maybe he might have had, I mean, they have wrestling lingo. It's always like drop down, touchy, touchy, you know, like, or they'll, they'll have like short conversations in the ring that are English. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm bullet I'm, points. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, good call on the referee not being a new Japan official. Um, it, it's a WCW official. Or sanctioned by the NWA, so um, I'm not well, sure how he's too. communicating like it's, it's for the NWA title. So like they probably and the NWA still took it pretty seriously, even though the relationship with WCW was very fractured yeah. at this point. I'm guessing the referee can just let them go and say maybe like say like five minutes, five minutes, and then they know when to get to there, and then he'll say like go home. Or like a minute, yeah, and then go home, and they know the translation from there. So maybe we'll see how that flows into the match because you and I have seen some wonky WCW matches where it's like all of a sudden they're like, "All right, go to the finish, get it done." It's like, "Whoa, yeah, huh, where's the psychology in the match?" Um, but I mean, usually 
more than not, they, they tell a great story in the ring. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't doubt the ability for them to tell a great story. I was just thinking of in terms of communication, you know, um, with, the, with the two competitors and the referee, because the referee is just as important, obviously, in, in, in the match than, uh, than uh, the competitors as well. So I mean, it just kind of struck me that there wasn't a, a Japanese referee. But I'm just hearkening it to the, the NWA aspect of it and them probably wanting one of their guys yeah. in the match yeah. um, as a referee. Um, actually, did you know that, um, Masahiro Chono is actually not, um, a Japanese born wrestler. Really? He's born in Seattle, Washington. For real? Yeah. And then moved to Get Japan. Okay. Yeah. Did not know so that. So this is wow. the first Japanese versus Japanese for the NWA title, but not Japanese born versus Japanese born. Wow. Okay. Insight there. Um, Chono is one of the most popular characters or pop culture icons in um, Japan at the time of this recording, 2019. Um, he's basically like the Hulk Hogan without the uh, without the the racist stigma. He's got the yakuza stigma, brother. Um, <laughs> but they are very well tied in. Uh, Japanese government. And the Yakuza is an organized is is an organized crime uh, group over there, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, and there's there's a lot of uh, ties to them with the government and local companies and uh, a lot of things like that. Um, and a lot of weird conspiracies and stuff. That's why Jesse Ventura is on the scene. Um, (laughs) But yeah, now let me let me ask you about that. have you ever listened to the uh, to Eric Bischoff's uh, 83 Weeks podcast where they talk about the um, his trip over to Korea for that, that Collision in Korea show in 1995? No, but uh, bring us some insight. You, you would really – that's like right up your alley, man, how that all came about and like the process and like how technically like him and like the, the WCW wrestlers like illegally went over there. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, like the whole process behind it is like unbelievable. Wow. It's probably my favorite podcast he's done. Just the, the stories and the different parts of the culture. Um, you know, he was over there, I believe, with like Sonny Ono. Um, it was brokered through Anoki in New Japan. Because Anoki, I, I believe, during that time period, um, wanted – he was trying to run for some kind of political office Yeah, in Japan. Yep. Which and he would later win. And him brokering this show between American wrestlers heading to wrestle in North Korea, he was banking on that being like the the big political win for him. That like the the folks in Japan would be like, oh my God, he look what he just did. He brought all these people over to to North Korea, which you know is a country that's you know that condemns the United States and. Um, just the whole thought process behind that, I thought was so cool. You'd have to go check it out and listen to it for Absolutely. yourself. But I mean, sounds like the, something. Things about great. the culture I didn't understand that like still rings true to this day about what about how our country and North Korea feel about each other. Oh yeah, it's it was it was fascinating. I, I'm telling you, that's one is right up your alley with all your knowledge about Japanese wrestling history and 
and, and everything that you that, that you bring to this show when it comes to Japanese wrestling, you'd love it. You'd absolutely love it. That's very cool. Um, um, it's interesting yeah. enough that they did a show in North Korea because it's, um, I mean, one of the godfathers of wrestling was actually, of Japanese wrestling, was actually a Korean named Ricky Doza. Uh-huh. Um, yep. And a lot of people didn't know that he was Korean. Some people did. But it, it, a lot of, there is still racism between uh, Asian cultures, uh, Japanese, yes. Chinese, and Korean, and North yes. Korean. Um, so that was brought up in that was brought up on that podcast. So it's too interesting about, that you know, they the, did that whole co- uh, collision in Korea. Ever since I saw that um, late in the two thousands, I saw like a shitty YouTube version of it. Um, I want to yeah. watch it again, but it's one of the highest drawing audiences. Uh, it's one of the weirdest atmospheres ever, um, but it's one of the most historical things that ever happened. Yeah, I mean, the stories that Bischoff tells regarding his time there and, the, and interacting with the culture and the people there, I'm surprised he's not dead. Yeah, like wow. honestly, like he told one story. He, he told a couple of stories, and these were two that really struck me. He was going to like a a, a press, um, a media event, and he was riding in a cab with Sonny Ono, and the cab driver turned around and looked at the both of them. And in perfect English said to them, you will not come to our country to rape our women. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, just something so random. And that was what that was the mindset, at least from Bischoff's point of view, of what the North Korean culture thought of the United States and Americans coming to their country, that they're just there to 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 rape their women and kill their children. Like it was just, it was unbelievable. It was fascinating, but it was sad all at the same time. And then the the other story that Bischoff uh, told was um, they were, they were cooped up in the hotel and, I guess it. I don't know if this was something that oh, the government beautiful had in lock right now going on. Yes, yeah, we're talking over this this good match here, but um, I feel it's important to kind of tie that into what we're seeing uh-huh, here. Tie it um, in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, please, no Owen Hart references. All right, he's not on this show. So, um, no. What I was saying was was that Bischoff, the government. They had government officials following them, like their version of the Secret Service. Like they were with them at all times. Um, they had taken their passports. They had taken their wallets, and um, everywhere they went, they needed to let these guys know so that they could go with them, et cetera, et cetera. So at one point, they were like stuck in the hotel for a night. Like they couldn't go anywhere. I don't know if this. I don't remember if this was um, instructed to them by the government or they all just felt like we should just probably lay low and stay here, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there wasn't a gym in the hotel, and Bischoff wanted to go like run on the treadmill, and instead he ran and jogged around the neighborhood where the hotel was, and after yeah. a few minutes of jogging, he was chased by like a stampede of people. Oh my god. And one of the um, North Korean, like, Secret Service, their version of the Secret Service, like, had to, like, stop this group of people to explain to them that he's with them. And when Bischoff, you know, when things settled down, this individual who worked for the, their, their version of the Secret Service had told them, those people thought you had just raped a woman and you were running away. Oh, my God. Yeah, like it's it's crazy what they think of us 
and at least back then and probably still to this day wow like it's just it's it's wild um so yeah if i were you i'd go out of your way definitely i highly recommend it definitely. to check it out it's it's called it's it's 83 weeks with eric bischoff um and it's collision in korea wow. uh from from 1995 sounds amazing um, yeah um as we see in the ring right now masahiro chono facing the wrath of great muda who clearly the fans are behind him more as i see from the reactions that i uh, that i see um that's what it looks like yeah muda setting up for the moonsault Ooh, stands though that's a good lands on that knee and now chono working on that yep. knee both guys working on each other's knees as well and it's amazing that chono is still wrestling at this time because he suffered that uh that same injury just a few months prior that I covered on uh, Gaijin Wrestling Radio Match of the Month uh, against Steve Austin. Yes. A flying elbow from Great Muda. And I'll have to look up. I, 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 I'm not sure. I guess he was maybe he just wrestled through this. Um, I'm not sure. Or maybe he took a little bit of time off because I know in New Japan their, their schedule isn't as stringent as uh, WWE or WWF. And that's another thing. No, I believe their schedule, like, they do, like, they work, like, a, I want to say, like, a few weeks at a time, and then they get, a, like, a, a month off or yep. something like that. And a lot of stuff. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a lot of stuff we're seeing, like, a lot of people like that for NWA, MLW shootings. They can go do what they want. Um, I think AEW is kind of in the same vein where it's a lighter schedule. Um, and that means l longevity in the ring, I think. Oh, for sure. And, I and mean, more time to give a guy a time off, and then he can come back and feud with somebody else. You know, it's not like keeping him there all the time. Dean Ambrose complained about that was one of his big reasons uh, for leaving. He just had so many fucking matches and was like, why? Yeah, a lot of those guys, I mean, the 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 WWE schedule is arguably the hardest because um, you're especially with the way they tape TV oh, wow. now. I STF mean, locked in. Oh, look at Chono that. Chono on Muda. Yeah, now it's like your week starts Friday. You know, some... Oh! That's it. Did he give up? That's it. He give gave up. up. Give up! Uh, and Chono retains the NWA title. That will bring us the rematch that we have at the January 4th uh, Tokyo Dome show in New Japan. It'll be title against title, NWA heavyweight champion against the IWGP heavyweight champion, which we just witnessed. But uh, Is that a title? Was that a title unification match or was it just champion versus champion? Champion versus champion. Okay, so there was no title on the line? Um, I believe... Let me see. It's... Um, Singles match. No, it's for both titles. Sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and actually, the great Muda would walk away with that victory, holding both titles, NWA heavyweight champion and um, IWGP heavyweight champion. Okay. Now I vaguely remember that because then Muda would go on to defend that title against Barry Windham. Correct. At Super Brawl Correct. in February of 93. Correct. Which would then set up Ric Flair's return. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Muto would not lose the IWGP Heavyweight Championship until September 20th of 1993. He would actually defend that title against Hulk Hogan, which you and I covered on Gaijin Wrestling Radio, uh, Match of the Month. Uh, so this That's is during right. that title did. reign. So we get great Muda making an appearance or making his return to New Japan or making his actual uh, debut in New Japan. And then he wins the title in August. Uh, we see him wrestling in WCW. And then he would go on to be uh, Keiji Muto, a big face in uh New Japan and hold the title for 400 days while wrestling one of the WWF's greatest Hulk Hogan uh, in a title kind of versus title match at the time. You know, it was weird, yeah. weird time, weird time, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely a, a different times and a, a transition in, in the industry. Uh, here's Rick Rude, uh, who is none too pleased that he's not able to wrestle. Um, I believe they're still kind of going with the whole conspiracy that Bill Watts has against him yes. as to why he's not wrestling um, for the world title. But, I mean, I'm kind of disappointed because I was looking forward to seeing this match because they had kind of – it had been, a, at least on our timeline, if you if you guys follow along and listen, um, Rude was – deemed the number one contender for God knows how long. And other people were still getting a shot at the world title. And then they finally would announce Rude and Simmons for the title at Starcade. And now we're not getting it because Rude suffered an injury a few weeks prior. Yeah. Um, another, another kink in the chain. I don't know. It, it It's always risky with, having a long-term story and then a guy get injured and then you have to throw somebody else in. Sometimes it works. This one for me, it's not working. Yeah. I mean, also too, what hurts is that they tape all their TV ahead of time. So, you know, at the beginning of this show, the opening graphics saw Ron Simmons and Rick Rude and hyping up the, their, their world title match. Absolutely. And, you know, so either this was a last-minute deal or, you know, like I said, the right hand not informing the left hand as to what's going on. Yeah. Um, wouldn't this be kind of the end of Jesse Ventura, too? Wouldn't he be coming to a close with WCW? No. Ventura would stick around. Ventura would stick around till at least Hogan showed up. Um, this is JR's last WCW pay-per-view before uh, Jim, he would go to the Jim WWF Ross. in 93. Sorry. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. This was JR's last pay-per-view. Um, Jesse would call... Uh, yeah, Jesse would call WCW till like, pay-per-views and TV until, like I said, I believe, like, right around the time Hogan... So, you know what's interesting about that? He actually only called half of the, 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 the WCW Bash at the Beach 1994 pay-per-view, and he certainly didn't call Hogan's match, hmm. um, which was interesting. Um they, if you go back and you watch that show, him and Bobby flip-flop color commentary. Yeah. He only does a few matches. And then I believe he's gone not too long after Bobby that. Bobby clearly better on the mic in WCW than uh, Jesse would do, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, Jesse wasn't bad. Jesse, obviously, his better days were with Vince and with Gorilla. But um, even the stuff he did with um, Tony Schiavone wasn't bad. Um, he was, he, he stuck to, you know, true to form Jesse Ventura. He didn't really change, but he adapted very well to the different presentation the different style that was WCW. Um, and I think it worked well, 
but not as good as Bobby Heenan, like you said. As we see the world heavyweight champion making his way to the ring, Ron Simmons, set to meet my boy, Dr. Dale. A lot of people are behind him, man. Um, well, I mean, it is Atlanta, local. He's a local boy. Correct, correct. Yeah, we'd you have know. to see out-of-the-market reactions, but uh, we we know that this rain would be ending soon, correct? As a matter of fact, this rain ends two days later in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, in your neck of the woods against Vader. Yep. So, Coming full circle. Um, you have to wonder... If Rude wasn't hurt, would Simmons have retained the title over Vader, or would Rude have just been another um, notch on Simmons' belt before losing it to Vader? Hmm. Hmm. I would. I, I'm guessing the latter. Yeah. I, I, I'm. I'm guessing the latter. I think that would really hurt to make that Ron would really Simmons, hurt Rude. Not necessarily. I, in my mind. Okay. Or yeah, I, I mean, guess it would me, give him more fuel to it, the fire. Maybe there would be some like wacky stipulate or wacky ending. You know. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like, what, what, Let me ask you, why Why do you think it would hurt Rick Rude? Because he's already lost his opportunity. Um, well, no, he hasn't. He's been screwed over time and time again, but then he actually gets the opportunity and loses. It's like, well, shit, now what? Does he lose the U.S. title and then move on from there? Like, what happens? I thought we were getting to a point to where he would be a top uh, heel with the with the title. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I don't know. You know, sometimes that would hurt the steam uh, that he was building. I could see that. I, I, it's a fair point. It's a, a fair, you know. I mean, person, what do you, you think? Know. What happens after he loses then? How does he, What? where does he go? Um, I feel like, I feel like Rude still kind of is on that same path with Bill Watts in terms of, uh, you know, him feeling like he was screwed. Like there would have to be some kind of finish in the match with, with him and Simmons where he felt like he was robbed of his only opportunity. Um, I feel like it would, the, the scenario would have to benefit all parties involved. So Simmons gets a victory over a big name like Rick Rude heading into the title match with Vader. Cause let's, let, let's be honest here. Ron Simmons' world title run, not the greatest during this time period. The individuals who he went up against. No. He had an okay match with Cactus Jack at a Clash of Champions, but he would be stuck working Barbarian and Tony Atlas. Mr. Wonderful. Um, for a little bit. Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful was a decent yeah. uh, challenger, but um, his run as the champion and the guys he faced, not the greatest. So I feel like a victory over Rick Rude would have to – not legitimize the world title run, but kind of save face, True. Okay. so to speak. I can see that. Okay. He kind of save face that he beat a name like Rick Rude. Yeah. Now, the finish would probably have to be something where, like, the referee didn't see Rude's foot under the bottom rope or Rude's shoulders weren't fully down on the mat. Um, something that, like, it doesn't hurt Rude, but it also doesn't taint Simmons victory either because the rest of his run I wouldn't say is tainted but it's 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 not what you would you would hope for a, for the a caliber of athlete like Ron Simmons with the guys that he had faced like I mentioned so going into it 
if you were to pull off a finish like that and Simmons loses to Vader, then Rude's got the angst to ask for a title shot against Vader, which could turn Vader into a babyface. There you go. Okay. Yeah, good stuff. I really like that, actually. And then we get the the actual, like... um, the foundation of like, oh, this is the new dangerous alliance as like Rick Rude gets his posse behind him to to like uh, battle against Vader. Yeah. Or you just come up with some sort of new name because Paulie's not there anymore. <laughs> you know, Medu- it seemed like right. that Medusa was kind of angling for her own group. Yeah. Like- so you, you, you were to put like Rude, wonderful... Um, Rude, wonderful Wyndham and Brian Pillman, and maybe even Steve Austin yeah. as like the five right there. Um, you know, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, uh, not on this show. Surprisingly, I think this is right around the time when, when like their contracts were up, or they were just taking some time off. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this was during a time period where, like, they, they had taken some time off, um, and Watts didn't really have anything for them, so to speak, which I find it hard to believe you wouldn't make room for Arn Anderson and Bobby I Eaton mean, again, two, two pivotal players in when we started last year uh, during yeah. the Dangerous Alliance concept. I mean, you got to continue yeah. telling stories with people. Uh, otherwise, they just end up like, WWE now, like they they tell a story and then we forget about a person for like three years and they're like, remember this? It's like yeah. keep up. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, consistency. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, as we see but, a, it was a decent showcase between uh, like fairness as Steve Williams and Ron Simmons shook hands before the match. Now, uh, Doctor Death Steve Williams pulled the hair of Ron Simmons. He's like, come on, man, damn. Touch my yeah. damn curls, damn. <laughs> I really do love Ron Simmons' gear right now. He's got the seminal colors, and he's got pride yep. on the side. Yeah. You know, I'm digging that, too. Yeah. I'm definitely digging that, too. Very cool stuff. Yeah, you can see the respect between the two guys. Doc's not a full-blown heel in this. No. He's got some respect for Ron Simmons. No. Yeah, it, it, you it's, know? it's like uh, we haven't seen him turn in the match yet. Yet, if he will, um, I, yeah. I would suspect him going full blown heel in this match so that we have a good championship match. I mean, it's hard for American audiences sometimes to watch um, the dynamic between two guys where the crowd wa- both appreciate. Um, I uh-huh. think we are, we are a lot of the time, um, we are conditioned to straight up heel versus straight up face you know yep yeah the the thing with that is is though like as 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 much as wrestling fans want to see like change and evolution in in certain instances like that where like two guys are randomly thrown together like two heels or two baby faces they really don't you know because you hear a lot of fans complaining about, oh, why they to- throw these two guys together? Now, I've always been the firm believer that the right combination of two baby faces against each other or two heels against each mm-hmm. other is what would make that work. You can't just throw ra- two random heels and see who the crowd's going to dislike right. more, you know, or two random baby faces and see who the crowd's going to like more. Um, it's got to be the right guys. 
in order for you to kind of pull off a turn, so to speak. Um, but at the same time, you can make the argument, and it's a very strong one, that good versus evil will always be the concept that works in wrestling 100%. You will never, it, it, it won't ever fail right. you. Okay, it, good versus evil will never do the job. You know, when it comes to storytelling and wrestling, it's it's like Father Time. Father Time does no jobs. <laughs> same thing. Same thing with good versus evil in wrestling. Um, but you just, like I said, if you're gonna do a baby face versus baby face or a heel versus heel, it's got to be the right guys, because otherwise, the fans are not gonna have a reason to care about either of the two if you pair them up against each yeah, other. Absolutely. Um. And like I said, as much as fans want to see change and people cry and complain on the on on you know on social media or whatever, then when you get that kind of change, you're just like, you're not re- you're not ready for it. Or you really didn't want it in the first place, you know? Yeah. Um. Good. But, good point. Good point. As we Doc working on that knee, on Ron Simmons. Which I'm kind of surprised because the last match was all about working the legs between Chono and Muda. Yeah. Now, what? Let me ask you something. When it comes to Doc, what did you think of Doctor Death? Um, I know his. I know a lot of people will look at his legacy as you know, where he, Japanese wrestling is where he really made his mark as a gaijin but what did you think of him in the united states um what did you think of his runs his various runs because he you know he had uwf with bill watts some wcw stuff he would eventually make it to the wwf at one point yeah i actually honestly didn't um i wasn't too familiar with him until his time in wwf in the later years um, okay i didn't see too many of the tapes until after that of like Dr. Uh-huh. Death and NWA and being like, oh, that's him. Or uh, the, the brief runs that he had, it, it was it was hard to, as we see some communication issues between him and Ron Simmons. Uh, part of the reason I bring that up is, I don't know, uh, he was impressive as, a, as size and power went, but uh-huh. not sure if I had enough exposure of him to be like, oh, yeah, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Um, now, now watching as an adult, certainly I will say his all Japan run, um, and his tagging combination with Terry Gordy are his, some of his best years. Okay. Uh, what, what about you? Um, I, I mean, I wasn't familiar. I was familiar with him during this time period in 92. I would say maybe even a few years prior when he came over from uh, Bill Watts' UWF territory in the sale to Crockett. Um, A little bit familiar with the stuff he did with the Varsity Club, with Kevin Sullivan. Um, Looking back as an adult, I probably like the run with Gordy here um, most of all as as a tag team. Um, I feel like that's and the, the stuff they did with the Steiners and Dustin and Barry Windham. Um, I like that stuff a lot. Um, I was really, really, really hoping and looking forward to the stuff that they it looked like they were going to go with in when he was in the WWF in the late 90s. Um, the Brawl for All stuff. Um, 
even though he got knocked out and then he kind of came back. Um, I was really hoping that we were going to get Dr. Death like a more badass version of him, maybe with JR's like his mouthpiece. I thought like that was something that like they really were going to go with and work with and move forward with. And, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was injuries or creative differences, they just didn't do it. And unfortunately, he was not too, he was gone not too long after in 90, late 98. And then he would surface in 99. Um, with the Oklahoma character when Vince Russo was booking WCW. And by that point, he just was, he wasn't the same person. He wasn't the same uh, competitor. I kind of lost interest in him. But I really had high hopes for a run in the WWF in the Attitude Era, especially like that post-Brawl for All. When he got knocked out by Bart Gunn, like legitimately, I was like, I was like, oh, he can come back from this. And then you bring JR back and like JR's got a little bit of an edge to him. Like I was really kind of digging that. Like he, people, people shit on, you know, that heel JR run, um, in 90, in 99, um, when he brought Dr. Death back in and he was kind of like, you know, uh, you know, he, he was kind of doing that. Like, you know, um, Vince McMahon's going to fire me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like not the '96 one when he was when he brought in the fake Razor and Diesel, but the one in '99 when he brought Doc in. But I think the biggest mistake they made is when they put like a karate mask on Doc. Oh yeah, like like that was silly. But like I I I, I think that was meant to happen to get you to badass Doctor Death. You know what I mean? Where they were going to exploit the corporate infrastructure of what WWF at that time wanted out of their wrestlers which was cartoonish hokey characters and it looked like they were going that route with jr as like the mouthpiece who had experience within the office and he wants to bring his boy in doc who's a legitimate badass motherfucker and they like i said for whatever reasons it just didn't work out i think injuries and creative differences and things like that just fortunately it didn't come to be but that was the one i was really looking forward to the most and that was based on what i saw with him and terry gordy as a tag team because they just looked so badass when i was younger like to me i was like those are just like the two bullies of the schoolyard like beating people oh up. yeah definitely um just a presence there and right oh, yeah. now a presence in the ring uh dr death is getting some steam behind him he's setting up for that uh three-point stance ooh. and he hits clip ooh, to the yeah. knee wow that's good good stuff there good flip from the crowd Simmons. doesn't seem too into yeah. it though if you could tell they don't really seem too into it yeah they, they I, I think they know the outcome of this match yeah because of the switch i mean come on they're not just gonna... they've also seen a lot of stuff yeah. in in you know in this Almost, you know, an hour and forty minutes and some change. True, but you're you're a fan uh, of wrestling, and you you see the world championship get switched at the last minute to a, just a random guy. You, you kind of know the outcome. You kind of have a feeling, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I totally see what you're saying there. Nice nice spine buster, standard from Ron Simmons. He didn't even have to drop Setting to his knees. Up. No. <clears throat> Setting him up. Another three-point stance. Yeah, that's right. They both had the uh, the same type of finish because they are both former football players. Yep. Ron Simmons, Florida State Seminole. And uh, I guess Dr. Death did both wrestling and football. Yep, Oklahoma. Uh, 
Double duty. Yeah. Remember the time and yeah, time him. period in the nineties, like kind of like this time period where guys did a lot of double duty. Like we had yes. uh, Deion Professional yeah, athletes. Yeah. It's interesting. Like how you, know, you said Deion Sanders? Yep. Yeah, Deion Sanders played he's still the only pro athlete to have played a major league baseball game and a professional football game. In the same week. So fucking crazy. So intense. Yeah. Like, c- could you imagine? Oh, as Ron Simmons runs into the post trying to deliver a clothesline on the outside to Dr. Death. Yeah, I couldn't imagine yeah, that yeah. schedule. Um, yeah, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Michael yeah. Jordan would eventually attempt it. Uh, yeah, Michael. Yeah, but Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played minor league baseball and basketball season was over by then. Yeah. When he, he wasn't, yeah, he, he, he had stopped. Actually, I could be wrong. Maybe he did double And dip, then he like, like did play. have to defend the Earth against aliens uh, teaming up with Bugs Bunny. and. Uh, oh, yes, and, that's right. I forgot that, about that, that, yeah. That, man. <laughs> and, then, and then now what came from that was Shorty G. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Shorty G. Yeah. Oh, man. Short EG, WWE's version of Space Jam. Oh, man. Uh, here we go. Dr. Death up in the corner for a big bulldog. Oh, no. Knee to the back. Isn't that illegal? Ring the bell. And it's off the top rope. Ring the bell. No, they're going to ring the yeah, bell. I believe it's yep. off the top rope. Yeah. Yep. Because the, the top rope rule is still in effect. Let's not forget so about that. So I think that would have been the finish of the Rick Rude. Because Rick Rude had been doing Rude that. Done something well, he like had that? been doing that. Remember, he had been delivering the knee off the top rope. Um, That's right. He did it to Chono, I believe, in their match in Japan. And he did it to Ron Simmons in the weeks prior during a match uh, where the referee's okay. back was turned. Um, during you might during be right, my friend. Match. So that could have been the finish for this match, leading up to everything. Um, as we see, clear cut, Doctor Death attempted the same thing, and we have two referees arguing about it. Um, so clearly, something with the storytelling they wanted to have during the uh, during this match. But look how silly it makes the heel look for doing that. Like, shouldn't you know the fucking rules? Granted, I know heels are supposed to break the rules, but if you do it in front of the referee, shouldn't you know the rules? I mean, Doc, uh, he wrestles in Japan as well. I mean, it can get confusing with flights and everything and how much barbecue sauce he <laughs> drank. Um <laughs> Yeah. Coming February 21st. Uh-oh. Super. Brawl. Nice. Three. Super Brawl Sunday, excuse Sunday. me. Super, Super Brawl Sunday. Mm. Which, by the way, allow me to ask you, coming up at the month, at the end of February... I'm going to be doing a Super Brawl 2 watch party on Kicking Out at 2. If you'd like to join oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Covers 1992. It's a pretty good yes, card. Yes, indeed. And the only, reason why I'm, the only reason why I have it on the schedule is because it's the only pro wrestling pay-per-view to have ever been held on February the 29th, which, was a, which is a leap year, which we will be approaching a leap year in 2020. That is awesome, man. Yeah, let's do our leap year podcast. We'll be, we'll, we might be the, one of the only podcasts that actually have a podcast on that day. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Wrestling podcast, at least. That, 
Maybe. And AEW is putting out a uh, a pay-per-view on that same day, on the leap here, February 29th, Revolution. Wow. So AEW will be the second pro wrestling pay-per-view in history to have put out a pay-per-view on February the 29th. Very cool. Very so, cool. Maybe we'll do like a preview and review show for that if we if we can. Um, but yeah, that would yeah, be, we'll that would figure, be very we'll cool. Out. Uh, Super Brawl 2 watch along. Yeah, it would be like a precursor yes. to Marking Out the Days, which are always evergreen podcasts. So if you guys are new to the network or if you are listening to this in the future, uh, you can go back to the past after this and uh, tie it all yeah, in Star- Kate, chronologically. Super Brawl 2 from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, February the 29th, 1992. It was headlined by Sting and Lex Luger for the WCW World Heavyweight title. So it was earlier in this year, before our Marking Out the Days timeline. But um, that's coming up at the end of the month on Kicking Out at 2. At the end of February, I should say, on Kicking Out at 2. So we see Barry Windham and Flying Brian set to face off for the World Tag Team Championships against Ricky Steamboat the Dragon and Shane Douglas. Very uh, passionate kids there in the audience. I noticed that, yeah, they're, they're into it. Very into it. Uh, this should be interesting, right? Yeah, this match, yeah, because, I mean, there is some history between, you know, Pillman and Douglas and Steamboat, and Wyndham's kind of got some history with those two, and, um, you know, with his tag ma- with his, his series of tag team matches with Dustin Rhodes, so. Uh, this was an interesting team. Steamboat, I mean, both teams are very interesting in the sense that, like, they're not, like, homegrown tag teams. It's just two singles wrestlers kind of thrown together. Yeah. Hmm. The uh, the rookie with the veteran here, and obviously yeah. the history that we have with Barry Windham, like you like you brought up between this tag team here. It was uh, Douglas and Steamboat that defeated Windham and Rhodes at the Clash of Champions in November. A uh, month prior to this, um, which then set up Barry Windham uh, turning on his partner, Dustin Rhodes. Um, it was also right around that same time, too, when Brian Pillman also um, had his issues with Shane Douglas. Um, didn't uh, and he and Steve Austin teamed against uh, Steamboat and Douglas as well, correct? Yes. At one point, yes, I believe it was on an episode of Saturday Night that we covered. Um in the archives over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. You can find that by searching Retromania with a W. Um, you can start back from April the 25th all the way till December the 5th. Yeah, it's a shame um, that cover... WWE Network doesn't have the beginning of the year and uh, the rest of the 93. Once they do, guys, we will return with some more Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. We'll have to, yes. uh, we'll have to date them uh, instead of episode numbering, but... Because uh, then the numbers will get all mixed up, but you you get the gist. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be fun. Um, we could see the whole culmination of this year with storytelling. It's a it's a interesting thing that you said. Super Brawl Two was headlined by Sting and Lex. Uh, Lex would yep. eventually in the year show up on uh, 
marking out the days weekend warriors in early april and march with his uh collaboration with vince and uh <clears throat> wbf body stars bringing oh, in God, all the yeah. beef but then lex would get into a motorcycle accident i believe um um yeah lex i believe um Luger had uh, left WCW not long after that, and the only way he was allowed to appear on WWF programming at that time was he wasn't allowed to wrestle, and he was a part of the whole um, Body Stars, Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, the the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation. Um, And that's how he was able to appear at at WrestleMania that year Um, in 92 when he did that little brief interview. With uh, Gorilla Monsoon and uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and then I think it was not long after that he uh, he had um, he had left. Yep, and uh, then '93 he makes his. I'm sorry, I'm mistaken. I'm mistaken. Um, In my notes here, I'm looking this up. Luger's contract only required him to work a specific number of dates, and he had already fulfilled them, so he sat out at the end of 1991 and the beginning of 1992. Wow. Um, so then they had the last bit aside of from one, Aside from one title defense against Masachono at the WCW New Japan Super Show in the Tokyo Dome, Luger did not wrestle a match until Super Brawl 2, where he lost the title to Stan. Wow. And he negotiated the departure from WCW to join the World Bodybuilding Federation, appearing regularly as a co-host on his Saturday morning program, Body Stars. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he would be replaced later by Mr. Perfect, I believe, um, on that show. Yes. And then he, we would not see him for a bit. And then he would make his WWF debut, the 1993 Royal Rumble, a month later from this date that we're covering uh, Starcade 1992 um, as the narcissist yes, the narcissist such a such an incredible time period the transition between uh, Lex Luger from 91 to 93 yeah oh yeah definitely and the the, the interesting details surrounding his little contract mm-hmm. that he had going on um so essentially, he was brought back to drop the title to Sting, and then he was done. So I, I believe Super Brawl 2 would be his last hurrah, um, and we'll probably cover that a little bit more um, as we, we when we get to that show at the end of February. I, I think I'm, I'm thinking of dropping it my normal Wednesdays like I usually do, but however, I may just drop it on Leap Year Day on February 29th. Ooh, that would be cool. It might it might it might be doing it on a Saturday, so who knows? Um, Sounds good. We'll see as time rolls on. Um, speaking of dropping, hammer right there. Double axe handle, I should say, from Douglas to, to Wyndham. Yeah, quick this tag pace, team title quick match. Pace tag team title match. Um, yeah. Uh, going back to Dr. Death, he, he was in, he was at least in WCW long enough to get a WCW Galoob figure. Um, Dr. Yeah. Death? Are you sure I about think? that? The Galoob? Yeah. I'm looking at uh, some ones right here on the side. Um, uh, I can send you a picture. 
I have Jake the Snake, Masahiro Chono, Rick Rude, Vader. Maybe these are custom ones that someone did. Maybe they are customs. Because mm. the Galoob line um, was short-lived. Did you ever, did you ever watch the um, the toys that made us on Netflix regarding wrestling I action figures? I haven't seen that episode yet, but I, I do. You gotta I do watch it. Catch that one. Yeah, it was fun stuff. Um, but the Galoob line um, was like done so quickly because they needed to get toys out into the market. It was like a last minute deal between WCW and and uh, Galoob um, that. When they took the promo shots of like some of the wrestlers, like for instance, I have the Galoob line, the the line that they sold in the United States, and Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, Doom, were a part of that line, and their figures are in uh, like uh, tennis sneakers and sweatpants. Oh wow! Yeah, so they took the test shots in those, and then they used those as the figures, um, and then the action figures. They have a action. Uh, Galoop had a line in uh, the UK that were sold exclusively over there, and it was Sting, Luger, the Steiners, Brian Pillman, Z-Man, Flair, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, um, Sid, and then Dustin Rhodes, Ellie Gante, uh, Big Josh, and the Freebirds. Yep, uh, I'm looking at some of those right now. Actually, these were custom painted ones. I'll actually send them to you. They're not bad. Uh. Some, okay. Jake the Snake, Rick Rude, um, Muda Chono. Looks like somebody who was a yep. fan of the the NWA, or I mean the New Japan and WCW collab, because they have a. You see a lot of custom yeah, work out yeah. there now, because I, I mean I'm a big action figure but guy. But to have the throwback um, of Galoob or a Hasbro custom, I love that. Um, that's really. I forget. Me back. I'll I'll show. I'll show you the page on Instagram, but there's a guy that takes the WCW Galoob action figures and he customizes them into WCW characters or even some WWF characters. Awesome. I'll have to I'll have to send it to you. It's amazing. Awesome. It's absolutely amazing the work that this guy does. Um, I had but, uh, um, the Rick Steiner, Sting, uh, Rick Flair, and uh, Arn Anderson, and uh, I believe the Scott Steiner, and then somebody else, the Vader Galoobs. But I lost all, but I think I have the Rick Steiner and the Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson basically has worn out his trunks so much uh, that you can see his ass. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, a lot of the figures I have have been, you know, like play-worn. Um, I don't have a lot that are like in super mint condition. Um, although I've been collecting um, recently the... Um, the uh, the ECW action figures that came out from the old San Francisco toy wow. line, um, so I've been get, I've been finding those on eBay um, at a relatively decent price too. I'm not getting killed, um, and those the ones I've gotten from this particular buyer are in excellent condition, um, but those aren't really worth a whole lot. But there's not a lot of those out there, which is strange. Uh, the Hasbro's have more value than the than than the ECW ones and even some of the Galoobs but like the UK version of the Galoobs with like the Freebirds and Eligante and um, Dustin Rhodes and Big Josh um, those are expensive like you go on eBay those go for like 100 bucks a piece sometimes even 200 oh, bucks yeah. a piece if they're in the it's box it's ridiculous still. the price like uh, we saw yeah. Brian Pillman, Pillman take a f uh, high risk uh, leap off the apron after a drop kick from uh, Shane Douglas and railed his uh, throat on the railing and now wow shane douglas takes a big flip off the corner big bumps in this match man 
give it up for Shane Douglas and uh, Brian Pillman for adding some uh, oh some some highlights to this match. Yeah, I, you know I was gonna say too. Um, originally the um, the baby faces have had a, a good portion of the control of this match, but you know the tide looks like it has turned now. Um, Jesus Christ. Look at all the crap on Douglas's it's back. All that spooter shit floor. from uh, fucking Johnny B. Bad. Oh. Is that is it really, or is somebody just not? No, I the think floor? it's Oof. the the powder from when Johnny B. Bad spooted. Oh, the the bad blaster. Yeah. Um, so back to the the toy discussion, real quick. We still need to do that special, and I think we're going to be doing that soon, uh, where at least you and I uh, give a little show and tell, um, where we'll set up and. Uh, go video video um or you can do one and i can do one where we show our wrestling toy collection i think uh fans enjoy those like the unboxing or like you know showing what you have um so we can put those up on the uh, facebook page oh yeah we could definitely do that for sure yeah i'd be into that yeah i got a box so i'm gonna be moving soon so why not just go through the box real quick and uh, show off the collection, and then you know, pack it up and put them away again. You still, you still have a fair amount of figures, oh, yeah, or man. not a whole um, lot? Or, I got a yeah. box, probably like fifty or sixty or so. Oh, wow, so nice! Th- and and a mixture of like what Hasbro's, Jacks, Galoobs, Jacks different mainly. Jacks. Um, I used and to, mainly. I used Jacks, to have yeah. a shit ton of Hasbro's, dude. I think I had like nearly all of them, and uh, they got lost in a storage um oh. yeah, years ago my mom uh, lost some things in storage but yeah i know still hurts i'm like man i had ninja turtle toys i had all these like original 90s toys yeah a lot of the action figure groups i'm a part of a lot of these guys they'll find you know they'll get stuff through like you know the people on social media ebay or um then you get the the, the rare stories where guys like you know um, bought a storage locker and found these Hasbro's, yep. or, or you know, somebody's uh, attic. Went, went to, yeah, went to a consignment shop, um, you know, and, and saw these Hasbro's here. Got them for dirt cheap, flea market stuff like that. So, um, I've been doing a lot more eBay shopping lately when it comes to those, um, especially the, the the ECW ones. So, but let's you know. Little sidebar action here. We got into talking about toys here. Yeah. Uh, it's um, Christmas time. The Brian, the Br- yeah, yeah, the holidays. Yep. The the Brian Pillman that I have, um, uh, he's sporting the Bengal trunks in the original Galoob series. Cool. Yeah. Actually, um, I think the the ones that rebirthed me into the uh, to when I became re obsessed with wrestling um, and with what started my real passion for it um, was the year 1996 for Christmas. I got a Sony PlayStation with a WWF game. Um, and then I got uh, Bret Hart, uh, Ultimate Warrior, um, uh, Gold Dust, and uh, Psycho Sid, Ahmed Johnson, and Shawn Michaels' uh-huh. Jax figures. The, when they were, the bone crunching yep. ones? Yeah, we used to have those too when we were kids. That was a great Christmas for me. I remember that vividly to this day. That's what really, like, you know, got the fire lit in me again about wrestling. 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, as we have this match coming down to the wire, Pillman covers Shane Douglas' attempts again. And the heels have been beating up on Pillman. I mean, Douglas for a good while in this match right now. I don't think Steamboat's even been in the match. No, he was at the beginning, and then again, this dynamic between Douglas and uh, Steamboat has been that Douglas gets his ass beat and makes the hot tag to the veteran who comes in and makes the save. Are they trying... But shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't the veteran be in there and you want want to give the rub to the young... That's what we've been saying. The the young up-and-comer? Yeah, that's what we've been saying on Marking Out the Days. I mean, I don't know. Uh, do they do they think because Douglas is like you know, blonde hair, pretty boy that like you're gonna get that Ricky Morton kind of heat sympathy, on him? I guess. Yeah, like because it doesn't look like no, it's it makes working. him look like a dweeb. Yeah, like there's a reason why he has a veteran as his tag team partner because he can't do it on right. his own. What the fuck was Steamboat just <laughs> doing there? <laughs> get up! Jesus. Yeah. Make the fucking tag already. <laughs> Complaining to Douglas. <laughs> you fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Tag into Pillman here. More double team moves. Now, imagine this four horsemen, okay? 1992. Let's say Ric Flair returns, okay? Dangerous Alliance is done. Flair makes an appearance at this pay-per-view. You got Flair, you got Wyndham, you got Pillman, and you got Arn Anderson. Perfect. I think. Imagine that four horsemen right there. I think that's a great combination. Um, Yeah. Man, yeah. It just makes you wonder, like, yeah. Uh, when does Flair make his return? It's later in 93, correct? Super Brawl 93. He was... So February. Yeah, he was there to... Pre- he was there... Yeah, February. He was there to present the title to Wyndham against... Or to Wyndham or Muda, whoever won that match. Oh, bringing us back to that um, conversation that we had. Yeah. And relating us to this year of Marking Out the Days, where yes. Flair has been on top of the WWF. He, well... He's fighting yes. for that top position again this entire Yeah, year. and this is the, the, the tail end of his run here in the WWF. I, I believe at this point, I think they know he's coming back, but he's got he's obviously got some dates he has to fulfill. Like we said, I think he um, gave that 90 days at that uh, October show or November show. That TV yeah. taping, yeah. When he lost the belt to Brett, yeah, I could Hot see that. Hot tag to Steamboat finally in, giving some drop kicks and chops to Wyndham and Pillman. Nice set of slams there. I had this conversation with my brother once, and he was talking about the evolution of Ricky Steamboat as a character. But what did you think of Ricky Steamboat in WWF with the fire? Uh, as and a, when he when he as a kid when he was just the dragon, uh, yeah, I was in love with it. Uh, now looking back, uh-huh. I'm just like, well, it was it was kind of like short lived, wasn't it? Uh huh. Um, yeah, I mean, it it was it didn't last very long. Yeah, to me, nothing compares to the '89 run that he had 
where he was the champion and that feud that he had with Ric Flair, the series of matches that they did. Yeah. Um, the trilogy, mm-hmm. the 89 trilogy. And, uh, and then this, like, as I've said multiple times on marking out the days, uh, this period of Ricky steamboat right here, 92, 93, he could have been the champion again. Um, he was on fire that much. And yeah. they just didn't get behind him as the legend that he was. I mean, people were clearly behind this guy. Um, oh, yeah. Eh. Here's here's an interesting hypothetical. Let's say Steamboat sticks around WWF, right? Endures the whole dragon thing, okay? Kind of toils around in the mid-card a little bit throughout the majority of 1992. Mm-hmm. Okay? Does... Now, during that, now, you got to remember, during that time period, 1992, especially towards the end, when Flair dropped the belt to Brett, they were going with a youth movement, okay? But at the same time, they were also going with guys that were of the caliber of size and ability like Steamboat. They were featuring Bret Hart as the champion. Shawn Michaels was the Intercontinental champion. Um, I believe DiBiase and IRS were the tag team champions. They weren't big body guys. Do you think Steamboat could have had a run with a singles title in WWF if he had stuck around during that time period? Uh, let's say late. Let's say this this time, late ninety two, ab- late ninety two. Absolutely. Um, coming back and then maybe the relationship with him and uh, Savage is brought up again, and then uh, mm-hmm. he, he's wrestling for that title. You know, heavyweight or continental. Give him one Heavy more, okay. give him one more shot, and maybe he loses, and uh, uh-huh. and then he gets one one last try, and then he wins, and then he gets a little run there, and then uh, transitional almost. But I, I don't know, I, but, I don't know. Um, maybe maybe I could maybe Intercontinental, it. like you say, him team him going against opponents like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, and giving them the uh, the rub. And the him rub. being the veteran. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Like he's like Michaels beats Michaels beat Davy Boy at that at that Saturday night's main event. And yes, he had that one match with Brett, but he was basically holding down the fort for the Intercontinental Title scene at the end of 1992. I could picture I could picture Shawn Michaels, Ricky Steamboat, Intercontinental Title feud something to help build Michaels and make him more of a legitimate incredible th- you know threat. Yeah. Absolutely. Um yeah, that would be that would be incredible. It, it his experience lends credibility to making Michaels and we get a victory here mm. by Douglas and Steamboat over Pillman. And Wyndham. Nice little sequence at yeah, the end. Yeah, wasn't bad. Between all four guys. So we kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent they here. They mixed it up. But, and, um, you know, they showcase... Hmm. They showcase Steamboat and Douglas. But, uh, yeah. Again, this this teaming of Wyndham and Pillman, they didn't get it done. Maybe there's going to be uh, trouble on the water? I don't know. I think this is part of, like, the the... the the process, and I don't know if this is how they planned it or if they just realized it at the, by this point. I think this is part of the process of getting to Wyndham, or I'm sorry, Pillman and Steamboat. Yeah. Or Pillman and uh, uh, Stunning Steve. Okay. Austin, excuse me. Okay. Gotcha. 
where like I think Wyndham feels like you know I'm, I I found you a partner that you could rely on that you could trust that you know that's not going to leave you hanging in the balance etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know I think that's how they 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 set up the two of them as an official gotcha. tag team and Pillman's and like Wyndham oh yeah we teamed got, a couple weeks back <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we saw the belly-to-belly suplex from Shane Douglas to Pillman, them picking up the victory. Now we're getting a recap of the feud between Sting and Vader, the many times that Sting has splashed Vader, the time that Sting broke the 2x4 over Vader's back, and then Vader still competed in a match. Uh, this has been going on for quite some time this year. Oh, yeah, they had a, a series of matches. Um, the, the the title match at Great American Bash, <laughs> Uh, where Vader won the title, um, and then you know this. I think I think this King at Cable was another reason to put Vader and Sting on a on a big card because they knew that they could deliver. They needed a big big match to really uh, sell this show, and you knew that you can get a a good match out of both those two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of, we did get. Uh, the period of Ricky Steamboat trying to compete for the uh, WCW championship. It was the WCW International World Heavyweight title against Rick Rude, uh, November of 1993. Yeah, oh, really? Competing okay. for the title, All right. not being successful, but competing for gotcha. the title. And I believe his last... One of his last matches in WCW was in '94 when he wrestled uh, Flair. No, Steve Austin for the, um, for the. Well, no, I know he wrestled Steve. I said one of his last matches. He wrestled. I know he wrestled Austin in his last match. I think that was like TV title or US yes, title, US one of the title. two. But he wrestled Flair for the WCW title at the Spring Stampede 1994 pay per view event. And Vader here sporting his best Hulk Hogan with the bandana or someone's T-shirt over the back correct, of his head. Correct. Whose do-rag did he steal? Look at that. Was Vader going for like a like a ghetto boys look here? What the fuck is he wearing? Oh, shit. That was like as ridiculous when they put the do-rag on Vince after Vince got his head shaved. Yeah, and then he said the N-word. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> God. That was before that, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, it was still bad. It was still ridiculous. King of Cable Finals, Sting and Vader. Just another excuse to put them on Starcade. But I'm not complaining. No. Like I said, that strap match, Super Bowl 3 from February of 1993, go watch it. They fucking beat the shit out of each other with that leather strap. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm distracted right now. I'm looking up to see if Ricky Steamboat ever had some matches with the Great Muda because I was just thinking those guys... Uh, would have had some great matches. Interesting. Okay. Uh, especially yeah. during this time period, 1992. You do that research while I watch Sting wrestle Vader and his dude. <laughs> no, I just looked it up really quick. Uh, uh, wow. I mean, I guess it's. Uh, I I guess they lost um, the Mastodon with the with the Spooters, and they just have the do rag on. Like he's he's taking the do rag off like it's something special. <laughs> I know, right? Like it's, like 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 when Paul Bearer used to like help Undertaker take his clothes off before he'd wrestle. Leon, I'll hold your ghetto boys bandana oh while you go in there and beat the fuck out of Sting. I'll make sure it doesn't smell like cigarettes. 
My goodness. That had to be a one-and-done type of thing. Speaking of one-and-dones, what is your... What is, what is the one thing about wrestling in general this year, current-day wrestling, that, that just stuck out to you this year? The one thing. It's got to be one mm-hmm. thing. We're doing our final one-and-done of 2019 on our one-year anniversary show. What is that one thing that just, like, has struck you about 2019 in in professional wrestling could be a moment could be a match could be you know a, a story that that broke i mean um i guess hmm the one thing that really stood out to me uh i would have to say the 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 actual um uh i'm blanking i'm blanking right now um okay you need some time yeah i'm trying to think of if i want to choose one thing or another thing Uh, i'm stuck in my head right now all right i'll Um, give you some time what about you anything for you um just the overall growth of the industry and the th- and the way that certain things have surprised me this year not necessarily like creative decisions but like things that have taken place within the business um and just the overall the state of it how like for many years after wcw had closed um you had your TNA impact and you have ring of honor, but like you never really had like someone that like kind of like put WWE on the rope, so to speak. And I think AEW is helping do that, but I think they're also helping improve the growth of the business by having more organizations out there really step up their game and become viable players like MLW, even like impact wrestling. And, you know, ring of honor is not in the best shape. Um, but they're still ticking and new japan is becoming a force even more just the overall growth of the business and things that i didn't expect would happen happen like the the women main eventing wrestlemania um for an example you know a lot of people didn't see something like that i don't think if it wasn't for ronda rousey i don't think that they would have made that 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 would have been possible but it did it was a huge milestone moment um in in the business overall not just because it was WWE or if it, because it was WrestleMania. It was just a big deal, you know? Your biggest show of the year, and you got women main eventing for the first time. Like, it's a huge accomplishment. Um, just certain things, you know, that... that, that, that it, I, like I said, just a growth of the business and what has taken... What has shaped and taken place in this last year. Oh, wow. wow. Nice German suplex by Sting to Vader. Beautiful. Vader off his feet there. Beautiful. Bumping like a Following son of a bitch for Sting, man. Following line, and definitely Vader always bumped for Sting. Um, Vader oh, just yeah. takes the mask off. He's like, "Fuck, give me the do rag." Um, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna piggyback uh, a little bit off of you. Um, I think, okay, I think the this year the the passion and the growth and the size of the wrestling community has definitely. Uh, made me appreciate wrestling more. I mean, you see how many people mm-hmm. are are loving going to events. 
that are centered around stories or the story of a wrestler mm-hmm. in this background, how many people love podcasts mm-hmm. now, um, how it's seeped into the pop culture again. Um, wrestling has mm-hmm. become uh, very popular because of the growth of the promotions, like you said. Yeah. Um, and it's because the fans. Um, people really gather behind this now. And, and in a way, yeah. American culture does do that now. I mean, you have the Star Wars pockets. You have your UFC fans. It's a lot of inter- entertainment culture pockets that uh, have their bubbles. Um, and yes. the wrestling bubble has definitely gotten bigger this year. And it's it's a lot mm-hmm. due to the, uh, the growing and the uh, resurgence of fans. Yes. Oh, no, I, I agree 100%. I think um, you see it more, like you said, podcasts. Everyone has a wrestling podcast between fans and people who are in the industry, you know, like us uh, being fans. Fans are and, what make it, man. They can make or break you know, a show. Absolutely. You know, same thing with, like, conventions. Wrestling conventions are, like, becoming more, like, it's in a sense, like, they're becoming wrestling cons. Correct. You know what I mean? Like, well, wrestling you know, is San always Diego a con. Comic- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. Um, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Try the steak, folks. He's going to be here all <laughs> week. Um, no, uh, I mean, San Diego Comic-Con really was the one that launched, like, all these different, like, states and cities in the country to do all these cons. You know, you Wizard World Comic-Con, New York City Comic-Con, you know, Rhode Island Comic-Con. You know, you have all these different cons out there that, that do these, you know, and it's not just comics. It's pop culture. It's movies. It's TV. Wrestling has even been a part of a lot of these Comic-Cons that you go to. But then you have these wrestling conventions. You have, you know, StarCast that Conrad Thompson's put together. You have WrestleCon. You have Legends of the Ring. You have WrestleCade, um, the 80s wrestling con that comes out usually in April. They've, they're doing, like, their third one. I mean, there's so many different um avenues when it comes to wrestling thing has uh and the like the thing has vader and the scorpion deathlock i'm sorry yeah there's so many avenues but vader's got the rope yeah there's so many avenues is to like get your wrestling fix whether you watch it go to a show meet someone in a signing or a con you know what i mean like or a convention yeah. like and the way wrestling bleeds podcasts it's just wild how like you said it's grown the bubble has 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 burst so to speak on wrestling especially in 2019 Absolutely. and the way that bubble bleeds into other facets of entertainment like wrestling can be wrestlers and wrestling can coincide with like anime convention uh 80s uh-huh. movie convention uh because it's always yeah. pop culture and relevant uh throughout these facets of entertainment um wrestling has been yeah. there a lot um and uh-huh. it, it has a lot of crossover appeal um Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my one and done. The, the growth of the fans, um, because of the growth of the industry, or well, both supporting each other, kind of. So let me ask you this: What do you want to see in twenty twenty in wrestling? <clears throat> I would honestly like to see WWE become. I don't know. I don't know. I think less is more, um, Mm -hmm. as we've learned, as we've seen over the years, um, as we've watched Marking Out the Days. um, I think less is more. I want WWE to give us that, but give us more, 
but give us less, if that makes sense. Meaning, like, in terms of um, creative content? Creative content, content yes. Of- I want something to matter. I want, uh, I want Shorty G to not be Shorty G. I want him to be, mm-hmm. you know, I want him to have that underdog story that lasts a year or two. Yep. Um, I want them to yep. follow through with things like that. And I want them to mm-hmm. not give us throw away matches because you have so many hours to fill um yeah you know you're at a you're at a point right Uh, now to where i think a contract is ending for raw is that coming up soon the contract with raw and usa um no they just renewed theirs the same time that fox uh got smackdown so so they're so they're they they're they're starting a new five-year deal with nbc universal Okay. Well, never mind. I mean, I, it's just it's it's hard, man, to consume that much content and want to watch more. Um, especially yeah. with the creative, the way that it is, to where you get uh, the guy facing, or we get the guy overexposed for the month leading up to the match that he's about to have, and then the matches are impressive. Don't get me wrong; every pay per view usually has some standout matches. Or every network special, should I rather say. Um, Uh But I just, I want something, I dream of the old days. And call me a nostalgia freak or whatever, but that's what it is. I want something that reminds me of what we get. But with the talent in the ring that we have, it's, yeah, you know? I mean, nobody ever puts out a a bad match don't get me wrong but i want i don't want you just throwing all right it's like eating a hamburger every day dude you know yeah no i get it i get i know i i get it and i kind of want the same thing too i want more consistency things to matter at least with wwe like I'll, i'll put it out right there right now nxt's not going anywhere they're going to continue to to do great things and they're going to continue to be nxt same thing with aew i think aew is still gonna you know find their footing in the business and it's a process um but you know they're getting there and they're giving a certain group of fans what they want and i think they're going to continue to do that yeah um you know i'm kind of hoping that ring of honor either gets their shit together or they just let somebody buy them out um because oh, they fell off this it's, year. It's be, it's be, yeah, it, it's become, it, it's, it's not watchable. I mean, it's like an indie show with a camera. It's bad. Like, like I, and I think I told you this, um, there's a group I'm a part of on Facebook. One of the individuals that's part of the group, he's a, um, he's, he works behind the scenes for uh, impact wrestling. Um, and he has disclosed with myself and a few others in the group that there's been talk of Impact Wrestling um, buying Ring of Honor, okay. um, or at least a- a- Access TV, I should say. Now I don't know if he's working all of us or whatever, but I've heard through some through the grapevine that there's at least been some interest in it. Um, and uh, Anthem kind of like scooped up and bought Access TV or bought a large majority of it. Um, and they want to make Access TV like a home for wrestling. You have the women of wrestling. Wow. You have New Japan that's that's got a s- slot on the on that network as well as Impact Wrestling. So I'm not saying Ring of Honor should have a show there because I don't think they have 
enough watchable content, but, you know, kind of merging those two rosters and kind of beefing up Impact's roster, I think, would help Impact um, tremendously. Not that they have a bad roster now, but... That would be interesting, um, or maybe beefing up the Ring of Honor um, between Impact. Oh, they're going to do another ugly Fed versus Fed. That, well, I, I mean, I hope not to see that, but um, when it comes to WWE, I'm like you. I want some consistency in the stories. I want, you know, things to matter. Um, I don't want it to be so predictable, so hokey. Um, and like you said, there are some standout stuff from the pay-per-view, but, you know, I, I need a little more follow-through. You know, like a lot of times, like, you'll see, like, like here's a perfect example, Okay. At the beginning of this year, it looked like there were big things to come for Aleister Black. Mm. You know, he, he, he was moved out of NXT. He was positioned on the main roster. And I wouldn't say they've done nothing with him, but they would do these vignettes where he wants to pick a fight. And they did um, they had a match with him and Cesaro earlier this year on pay-per-view, which was an awesome match. Another guy who doesn't get utilized Absolutely. properly. And I was like, damn, they need to follow through with that. Like, I'd love to see another match with these two. And then Alistair Black disappeared and wasn't on TV for God knows how long. Now, all of a sudden, he's back. You know, I I just, like I said, things mattering, consistency in the storytelling, um, not being so predictable. Um, I want to see some fresh faces. Mix it up a little bit. Um, What happened to Apollo Crews? Where's Mojo Raleigh? There's all these people on the roster that they have that they just keep and then they just don't utilize. Well, that's why I think they need to trim some of that fat. True. Like, I'm not like, like but you it's, know, for uh, instance, but they have like so Apollo much Cruz. content to fill, Dave. That's why they have that roster. Like yeah. That. But at the same time, like you said, you, you don't want to just throw a random match together just because you have so much content to fill. Like they, they say that they need guys to fill content, but then they use some of the same guys yeah. in like the you know three or four segments on the show on a three well, hour show. That goes hand in hand with what so, you say. It's because they can't keep up comprehensively of like what's going on, so they have to think in yeah. short terms of like you know. Uh, and I think with NXT being moved to USA and them trying to really establish them as a third brand on equal footing as Raw or SmackDown, even though it's technically a hybrid and it's a standalone brand in and of itself, some of the guys that are on the main rosters like Raw and SmackDown could use a benefit of like, you know, going over to NXT like an Apollo Crews. Sure, send him over there because I think that audience will 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 appreciate his talents. EC3, like there are guys that like they moved up to the main roster that I don't feel like needed to go to the main roster at that point. Like they didn't have enough time in NXT. Um, I think they do need to do some spring cleaning at Absolutely. some point. And and you know, if you're not going to use these guys, let them go. Like how long have uh, Primo and Epico, the Cologne's been under contract and they haven't done anything yeah, with them. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Yep. And those guys have you know? some, they're talented. Yeah. Either use them or don't fucking keep them on your payroll. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get it. You need guys in case, like, something happens, but, like, they're so deep with a roster. It's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Staying with a huge top um, rope splash to Vader. One, two, no. Wow, this match has been pretty good so far. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, and going back to what you said with access and uh, impact, um, it, it's in ROH. It would be interesting because Sinclair, which is another TV broadcasting uh, program, they own ROH. Um, so yes. uh, with access and impact and uh, Steve Harvey and all them getting together, that'd be interesting. But Sinclair just acquired the the rights to a few um, of the Fox Sports affiliates, mm. and it's not like they don't have the money, but they don't spend the money yeah. to make the product no, better. No, we still have the same old tacky ROH that we've had for the last ten years. Yeah, that I've been watching. Exactly. Um, it's just, and the stories you hear about, like you know, the the way that the infrastructure is run within management, and you know. It's if you're not gonna do anything with it, then then give it to someone who will. You know, there's a tape li- there's a video library they have that I'm sure is is tremendous. Not saying that WWE should buy it, as we get Sting with that wow. counter of the power slam over Vader. Yeah, Vader went for a big splash f- and Sting shot up and gave him a power slam. That was pretty well timed, man. King of Cable right there, Sting, your winner over Vader. Needed the victory because he lost the title to Vader uh, a few months prior, like I said, at Great American Bash. But, you know, to kind of put a bow on the, on this subject here, um, I mean, WWE has this tremendous video library. Um, you know, buying the rights and acquiring the rights to that to use on their network would just, you know, would, would be tremendous. And they have a lot of guys that were under the Ring of Honor banner that you could, you know, you, you could – you could utilize that footage to help showcase them and who they are. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, you, Impact could do the same thing with their library if they were to have purchased um, Ring of Honor. So time will tell. But um, I just want continued growth. I want some entertaining wrestling. I want some consistent storytelling. Um, and I just, I, I, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun being a fan, and I want that to continue going into 2020. That's the bottom line for me. Absolutely, that sounds good. Um, I think we're, we're kind of on the same page of what we want as we see Sting here uh, with his trophy for the King of Cable, talking to Jesse Ventura in the ring. Uh, that was a pretty impressive match, though, him and Vader. Oh yeah, they don't disappoint. I mean. If you if you if you were to put a Mount Rushmore of Sting's greatest opponents up, Vader's one of them Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. You put Vader, you put Flair as your two right there. You could probably put. Oof. You could probably put maybe Rick Rude. Yeah, maybe Rick Rude. Um... Muda and him had some decent matches. Muda, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think those would be the four. There, Larry Zabisco here, just uh, recapping the the Sting match. He's probably wondering, I don't know where Missy Hyatt went. She was supposed to give me a blowjob. That was the deal. I read off the names, and she sucks my dick. But she's nowhere to be found, so therefore my balls and cock are going to be left alone. So, Tony, it's your job to slop the knob. As we get ready for Battle Bowl, the lethal lottery. Yeah, showing off the ring, that graphic again. One more time for us. 
Speaking of Battle Bowl, now that we're on the subject, we've been on the subject this whole show, but uh, Cody applied for the Correct. trademark. He's also gone for Slamboree and Super, Super Brawl. Brawl. Um, a couple other ones. I'm 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 excited. Yeah. Um, hopefully we get some some of those Battle Bowl concepts. Um, yeah, that would be awesome, man. Uh, I think they would pull yeah, it off pretty I, well. I liked the. Uh, I would get into what it. What was the Diamond Dozen? Uh, and then they had the finish up with the Diamond Dozen Ring match. Um, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. Paul Hornung, NFL Hall of Famer. Okay, is this? this is yeah. With the they're trying to add the sports feel to it. So with the whole Battle Bowl concept, the ring. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, whatever. Okay. This is a waste of fucking time. Um yeah, so uh anyhow, um yeah, I'm I'm I like the the prospects of what, you know, AEW has planned with some of the trademarks. Um they're bringing back Bash at the Beach uh as a part of the Jericho Cruise. It's going to be on an episode of AEW sometime in in uh, January. So that should be fun. Um them acquiring some of those trademarks prompted WWE to acquire a bunch of old trademarks for old pay-per-view names that they could reuse once again. Um, but, uh, yeah, Battle Bowl and AEW, I can get behind that. I'd like to see that. I, I've always been a big fan of the concept. I just think it hasn't been executed um, to the best of its abilities. But I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, I could, uh, I could get behind it for sure. Uh, as we have this, uh, I guess, would you say football legend? Yeah, NFL Hall of Famer, Paul Hornung. I think I pronounced his name right. I don't really care anyways because it's got nothing to do with my fucking wrestling show yeah, I'm watching. asshole. Get out of my... Ooh, who yeah. put their football in my wrestling? Yeah, for real. Here we go. Main event time. Gary Michael Capetta, your wrestling ring announcer, fan. as he's been the whole night. Uh, Dave... <laughs> Ladies Can you pimp gentlemen. us real quick while I grab a glass of much-needed water? I'll be yes, right back. Yes, go for it. Here we go. Battle Bowl entrance. Dustin Rhodes and Dan Spivey entering the ring here. They won their previous matches, not as a team together, but they won their previous matches. Great Muda entering the Battle Bowl. Repainted his face. Um... After losing the NWA world title match to Masahiro Chono. And we got Barry Windham, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, another person who played double duty in the tag match at Sting, the Battle Bowl tag match, as well as coming up short against Ron Simmons for the world title in that match. And then we got Heavy Metal fucking Van Hammer. Oh, Van Hammer. Yeah, Van Hammer. Ugh. Your favorite. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my favorite. He's the, he's my Mojo Raleigh of 1992. <laughs> um, and then we got Vader here. No do-rag. No. Because Hank Aaron probably told him to take that shit off before you go to the ring. <laughs> Good call. Leon, Hammer and Hank said you can't wear his do-rag, so you need to go without it to the ring. Sting decided not to reapply his face paint because uh, he just had a fucking match. He's going to be a part of this battle bowl. This will be the third time he's wrestling, too. A lot of double duty, triple duty as a part of this uh, this this battle bowl uh, Starcade event here. I'm not. Um, oh, oh, wow. And we're hot and heavy. 
Has the bell Kicking rang? Kicking right off. Or, or did it ring? I don't know. Uh, Sting and Vader. The refs are it. trying to separate them. I do like the uh, what we have in the ring as far as the Battle Bowl finals. Yeah, Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, who have some history. Um, Dr. Death and uh, um, Van Hammer. Van Hammer sucks. And then you got uh, Dan Spivey and Great Muda. So you got two, four, six, eight. You got ten guys in the ring. So it's a ten-man over-the-top rope battle royal. Um, not the best when it came, comes to uh, the talent. Now, are but, the um, pinfalls and submissions allowed? Uh, no, I believe this is just a battle really? royal. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Sting and Bader. Vader just flew over the Vader. fucking top rope to de- to destroy Sting. That was amazing. Instead of a double feature, we got a triple feature here. We got three screens, two screens on the bottom, and a lot one of action top. going around. We have one, two, three, four referees, I think, around the ring. Um, three that I can see, but yeah, a lot of action going on, and not a not a bad way to uh, to showcase this um again i don't mind the concept but what do you get though like honestly like what like what's the problem you should get the title shot you get a title shot get the title shot but i don't know why yeah it's it like even with the royal rumble the first time there was no like title shot like i don't know why they don't think like why i guess wrestling was always like the prize of this is going to be a trophy and they even do that still sometimes in uh, New Japan. They've just now recently yep. brought up like New Japan's like you get the trophy, but you also get a title shot. Or if you're the title or if you're the title holder and you win the trophy, then you can choose your opponent. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, in terms of the Royal Rumble, they wouldn't implement that until 93 when Yokozuna won the Royal Rumble. That would be the, the first year they did the WrestleMania title Spoiler shot. Spoiler alert for marking um, out the day. It's like, <laughs> we, we're not going to see that. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe we will see it. Maybe Plus, we I won't. think they do a lot of the build once WWF creates uh, Monday Night Raw. They do a lot of the build on there. Yes. They change mm-hmm. their formatting for their shows. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, we got something cooking, right? We're, you know, for, for early 2020, a new concept. Or I shouldn't say a new concept, but... Um, yes, yes. Something, yeah. Yes, of course. Um, this is uh, getting down to... It's the same... It's still all the guys in the ring, right? Nobody's been eliminated yet, have they? Two. Yeah, no, we got the same 10 guys. So Sting, Barry Windham, Dan Spivey, Great Muda, Dr. Death, Dustin Rhodes, Van Hammer, and Big Van Vader. Yeah, two, three, five, three, eight. Did we lose someone? No, I think two, it's always been eight. Three, five, six, seven, eight. So it is eight guys. So it's two, Okay, so it was eight guys. No, was where's, guys uh, where's Pillman and... Uh... Pillman was on the opposite team oh, from shit. Wyndham, so yeah, he wasn't right. in the sorry, match. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. Maybe we are missing somebody. Right. No? I don't think so. I think we got everybody. So it's eight. Yeah. That's I think fine. we got everyone. Yeah, it was eight matches, yeah. The year prior, it was like ten matches with like oh, 20 yeah. guys that came Ridiculous. out the winner. Yeah. I just watched that Battle Bowl recently, 1991. Some of the pairings in that were pretty uh, pretty interesting. Dust. 
It's like Michael P.S. Hayes and Tracy Smothers against Jimmy Garvin and Marcus yeah. Bagwell. Ugh. And there was like beautiful Bobby and Flying Brian against Sting and Abdullah. Like I said, this one I don't mind because of the names in it. Minus like Van Hammer. Dan Spivey's decent. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. what is that on the side of Dustin Rhodes' tights there? It's got his little... They're like little like tassels. <laughs> like little cowboy tassels. Like love handles for, you know... Anyone who prefers the the broke back mountain kind of action, yeah, um, they're cute. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. Just 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 you know, enhancing the cowboy gimmick because apparently it hasn't been you know brought up For enough. Sure. But, we have um, uh, Dan Spivey and Sting struggling in the corner. Sting giving them a big kick, and these guys are wearing each other down. It's not bad. I don't mind. No, not bad. It's a battle royal. I mean, you know, battle royal consists of punches and kicks. <laughs> That's pretty much the gist of it. True, true. That's why I don't mind a battle royal that um, you can finish, like, with the last two guys, a uh, submission or pinfall. Pinfall, yeah. That's not a bad but idea. But they could still spill over the concept. top, too. So that's still in there. Yeah. It's still a threat, you know? Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I think uh, TNA used to do that. They used to call it the Gauntlet for the Gold, where it was like Royal Rumble style, and then the last two, it was like pinfall or submission. That was what they would do to differentiate themselves. um, Because if they were to have ever emulated anything close to the Royal Rumble, then wrestling fans would lose their minds. All hell would break out. And I'm sure uh, old Bruce Pritchard came up with that concept. Yeah, oh, there we go. Van Hammer is yep. eliminated. Steve Williams. See you later. Van Hammer. And we got Dustin giving Barry Windham a bulldog on yeah, the ramp. Yeah, they went out under the middle rope, so not eliminated, brother. And leave my Brucey Poo alone, all right? He doesn't admit to everything being I'm great sorry. coming from I'm his sorry. mind. I had to just. Pat Patterson was the one that came up. Pat Pat Pat, Pat Patterson came up with that idea for the. No, Rumble I'm saying Royal. maybe uh, Bruce Pritchard th- came up with that concept in TNA. Um, didn't he work with them as well? He did, but they were doing that okay. before he came. Yeah, they were doing that before he came. I'll be honest with you. I mean, my my love for wrestling podcasts started with listening to his show, um, and it's grown, but. Um, he uh, he he admits to a lot of shit too as well. Things that he created yeah. as well. Stuff that was just pure garbage, like Jean Pierre yeah. Lafitte in 1995. Like he takes total yeah. credit for that. Um, and the whole angle with Bret Hart stealing the jacket or stealing Bret Hart's jacket. You remember uh, that? Oh yeah, yes, yes I do. That was an angle that they used in Houston wrestling when I believe Joe Blanchard, Tully Blanchard's father, used. Or stole it was either Joe Blanchard or Tully Blanchard stole Jose Lothario's uh, varsity letter Jeez. jacket and back then in Texas that was a big fucking deal so <laughs> stinger splash in the corner uh, we lost somebody else we lost we lost somebody else we have six people we lost two four six yes yeah, so we lost Dan Spivey sorry Dan Spivey is no longer with us in this match yeah. In this Sorry, match, I should in say. In this match. Yeah. Oh, is this oh, an elimination yep. too? Both Sting and Vader have been eliminated. Uh, Vader. So they're counting the ramp being eliminated on the ramp I that they're gone. So. I mean, you're 
over not the, the top floor. rope. So if you get over the top rope, okay. All right, so Sting and Vader are gone. So that leaves the uh, the uh, the field of contestants down to four. Yep, we got Muda, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, uh, Barry Windham, and Dustin Rhodes. That's right, baby. Yeah, I like this. You ever you ever you ever seen Dustin Rhodes's uh, original run in the WWF when he came in with Dusty in like nineteen ninety? Yeah. Yep. Have you ever heard him cut a promo back no. then? He is like trying so hard to be like his father oh, with no. the lisp. Like it's like like oh, if you listen to it, you go back and watch an old promo. It's like it's like Dusty Light. Not like the creative in terms of like the catchphrases that would, that Dusty would would say, but like the cadence in his voice and his his you know. Interesting. He'd be like, "I'm the natural Dustin Rhodes. I'm the natural Dustin Rhodes, oh, baby. No. I'm the son of the Omega Dream." I oh think yeah. I vaguely remember. You go that. back and listen. To, go back and yeah, he's much different than uh, this time period, '92. Obviously, much different than what. You know, he was portrayed as in 1990 in the WWF, but um, he's a, he's more himself in this this time period. But 1990, they tried to strike, you know, you know, lightning twice with with him being, you know, Dusty's yeah. kid. It was um, it was almost on par with like them push WCW pushing Eric Watts during this time period. It was it was bad. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to look that up. For sure. That's the early, like, 90 run? 89? Yeah. 1990. Wow. I believe. 89. Late, maybe it's late 89, early 90? I don't know. But, yeah, you There's go look another it match uh, uh, I would have liked to have seen is uh, Barry Windham is busted open. Uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Great Muda. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that looks like it could be a, a nice contrast of styles that would mesh real well yeah, together. Doctor Death doing a little stomp on the face of uh, Muda and spinning his heel on his face—that was nice. A little dirty tactic. Body slam by yep. Barry Windham. These four to Dustin, and he's going to the top. Oh, dangerous! Dangerous! It's, it's, yeah, Did it's he step over right the there, top folks? ropes? Uh, he went through the, okay. the, the second rope. Dustin Throws catches him. him. Off. And we have... Yeah, this final four here is uh, quite the force. Yes, it is. Um, and who could you see winning this and then going on to face the champion if this were awarded for a title shot? I mean, we just got Dr. Death in a title um, match. I would say okay. Dustin. Dustin, the underdog. Yeah. I would say I would say Dustin. Yeah, because I mean they kind of. Yeah, yeah, I'd go okay. Dustin. And right then now. transition to Vader. Ooh. Wow, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, and Dustin go over as Barry Windham had uh, Dustin's leg draped over, or was trying to drape his leg over the top rope. Uh, Doctor Death and Dustin both spilled out. Yeah, if Vader was the champ, yeah. I see Dustin. If Ron Simmons was the champ, I yeah. see Barry Windham. That's what I think too. But I think, like you said, I think they were going to go for that uh, that false victory for Rick Rude or something with the knee, and then have Vader win the title, and then maybe a Rick Rude and Vader angle, and then maybe Dustin. But they never did the title for the 
the uh, gold. But like we said, uh, this is a good way to um, enhance a guy. Yeah. And we have Dustin and Muda as the finals here. Yeah, I remember as a kid being surprised that Muda won this um, when they played the results back on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I was, I was kind of like, I was like Muda, and he's a good guy because I had always associated him as being a bad guy because um, I had wanted Sting to win this. Right, right. Um, um, it's just, but, I think, at the time, like I like I had spoke of before on Marking Out the Day, is Big Back Body Suplex by Barry Windham. I think the Japanese culture and the superhero-ism of people wearing face paint and being um, like this ninja style was very appealing to us at the time. Yeah. But it was also very stereotypical Correct. too of like what you expected and and, and thought of a Japanese Correct. wrestler. Correct. Whereas Masahiro Chono was a little bit different, you know, he was like an amateur wrestler and he had some style, but that's why he didn't really connect with the American crowd too well. Now. Um now we have Barry Windham taking his time with Great Muda, picking him apart a bit a couple big back body suplexes and then a big uh drop kick from him always loved his drop kicks standing drop kick yeah he's he's got some nice nice combination boots on there too the green and yellow i like that color it's a little different back. skin the cat the The original skin the cat in a rumble and see you later wins the battle ball a nice victory for the iwgp heavyweight champion at the time i guess a reason why to not show that if he's going to pick up the victory here you would have your uh champion from another company winning uh yeah he's like scared of the fireworks he's at like, first but he had to play it off yeah i think i think that might be a part of the reason why they didn't want him to bring the title you know, you have a guy from another company being their champion, uh, headlining your main event and winning your main event of WCW. Yeah. But I don't get the reason why they had him win it then if they, I don't know, it's just... Because they're going to February, I guess, the match between him and Wyndham. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's long-winded storytelling. I'm not sure. Because he... He Maybe. will win that match between Chono, like I spoke of, in the month of January. So he gets the victory there because he's on a roll as a face. Yes. And then Wyndham, what happens with him in the next month? Do you know? Um, to be honest with you, I don't. Off the top of my head, I believe he, I believe they kind of go to, they kind of play out him and uh, him and Pillman as a team, eventually leading to. Um, Austin, and then Wyndham goes back to being a singles, and he has this run against Muda for okay. a little bit. So, yeah, that's yeah. it. And I think this was like the precursor to that, and maybe they just kind of ran with it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, anyhow. Um, 
We see JR and uh, Jesse Venturi here closing things out, kind of recapping what's taking place. I like that place. sign in the background, um, too. Hey, Muda, spray here, and it's a bullseye. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the, and the guy's, wear, the guy's wearing, yeah, is he's he wearing, wearing wrist, wrist tape? tape? Just like Muda, too. Big Gaijin fan. That would have been me in 92. <laughs> we're th- we're two here. things and nothing but Muda or Sting. Oh, okay. Hey, Muda, it's All right, right here. Interesting. Yeah. Well, nothing and uh, like yeah. it. We're here to do two things. Nothing Who does and that? Like it. Who says that? Rick Rude. Uh, Taz. Taz, I think, said that too at one point. Yeah. There's two things nothing you could do about it, brother. Like it. Nothing and As like it. As we get uh, Jesse the body and Jim Ross rolling us down the end of this card, giving us their thoughts. Uh, what'd you think overall, Dave? It's a fun show. I mean, there's, you know, some, it wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst either. Um, the Battle Bowl concept, and maybe just I'm biased because I, I, I kind of dug it, you know, as a kid and still look at it as a fun concept that I think could be, if done properly, could come off well in today's uh, landscape of, of pro wrestling. But overall, I, I had fun doing this, and it goes back to a lot of what we talked about um, over the course of our time on marking out the days and everything you know just coming back full circle and just kind of putting a bow on the end of 1992 for us so yeah this was a lot absolutely of fun. i had a lot of fun too uh, i hope everybody did who listened uh we had a lot of topics uh throughout i'm gonna have to throw that into the info um to get everybody kind of hooked as well because it's not just necessarily a watch long it was a, a year-end kind of show um yeah. So I hope everybody enjoyed that bonus episode. Dave, you want to run everybody down where they can find Retromania, where they can find Kicking Out of Two, and then we'll sign off. And I hope everybody has a good um, Christmas or had a good Christmas, and I hope you all have a good New Year, and I hope that you are looking forward to many more um, many more podcasts from Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network because we've got plenty more content coming at you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm kicking out it, too, as we head into the new year. I told you we're going to be debuting a new concept. I'm bringing you guys the Day 5 Fanny Pack, where I'm going to take five subjects that we don't necessarily talk about in long form. Um... On, on the show we're going to kind of put them together in one and just kind of briefly talk about them discuss them at length so that's going to come up on the new year new year's day as a matter of fact um you can find that um uh and so many other great shows that we got planned heading into 2020 already got a schedule mapped out lined up so you can find kicking out of two over on facebook facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two as well as our twitter handle at kicking out two it is a part of the retromania pro wrestling podcast network with all the great shows we have over there on podbean searching retromania with a w you'll find kicking out of two marking out the day's weekend words you'll find this bonus show you'll find gaijin wrestling radio you'll find origins of attitude and hulkamania is dead which i believe hulkamania is dead is going to be making its yes. return to the year 2020 coming up here on the retro mania pro wrestling podcast network so be on the lookout for that search retro mania with a w in any podcast platform available google play uh apple Podcasts, spreaker spotify stitcher and all other podcast platforms available by searching retro mania with a w all right and that being said everybody have a good one Take care, Dave. Take care, buddy.